Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Based on how Dylan would work. What were, you saying about, what were you saying about the footwork hoodie, Jake? It's way less baggy than I thought it was going to be. It was what size did you get? A medium or a large? Medium, definitely. Uh, Dylan was wearing the uh, egg double XL and all the, all the yeah, yeah. videos. Yeah, he had the triple X, the one triple X. I was wearing a large, man. <laughs> I was wearing a large. I'm pretty sure Keith's got a small. Let's let's be honest here. It, it may have been a small. I mean, it's I a small or a medium. I mean... But I think uh, I think it's it's big enough where you could wear any like you could wear any size. Just the large will come down more, and the small yeah. will be more of like not a crop top, but you know what I mean. Like it'll kind of. I think you yeah. can be tight. It's, it's it's more for activities if you're like lifting mm-hmm. in it or something. Yeah, that's how. It, that's how we put it. That's how we start off the episode. It's just an impromptu <laughs> ad. Oh, oh yeah. If you guys didn't know, um, the layover hoodie is out now. Um, yeah. Still some available. It. Go get you it. You won't get it before Christmas, probably. But if you order now, uh, you'll get it by New Year's. Yeah. How do you guys? How do you guys decide how many to buy or like how many to produce? It's a great question, and we've just kind of figured it out as we gone. Winging it. But winging it exactly. We did the t-shirts. We did fifty, and it didn't seem to be enough. So this time we thought, okay. Yeah. Let's double it. But it's the tricky part is the sizing. You got to split yeah. whatever the amount is into certain yeah. sizes. Yeah. And then that we use kind of based from off the t-shirt sales. I think the we got a pretty good, the t-shirts, we nailed it we, this time. We didn't get enough larges because everyone wanted yeah. a large on the t-shirt. And then we ended up, I mean, we're all, we'll scroll out now, but besides, yeah, there's two mystery shirts. People somewhere. tend to over uh, purchase a larger size rather than true to size or smaller so that's what mm. that mistake was so this time we had only i think five smalls was all we bought <laughs> me, and, me and me and dylan's mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah kate williams standing five foot three she's gonna get the small um yeah i mean for those who don't know for those who have been around you'll recognize this voice this I mean, I, I won't. I was gonna say something. Uh, I was gonna get, throw an adjective out there, but it's just Keegs is back. If you know, kicking with Keegs, part one, part two. Um, we decided we wanted to kick it again. We were missing him, and we're not really gonna talk so much about Keegs's career this time, but just a thank, discussion. Thank God. Just a discussion <laughs> for the ages. But I mean, for those who want to know who you are, Jake, what's what's your uh, spark notes version of who you are spark notes i grew up in new york upstate new york if depending on who you're asking went to binghamton mm-hmm. university and then i've been playing for 11 years now in germany ireland canada the u.s and the last five years i've been in usl league one which is the third division of american soccer so uh 11 last year's years, at, man yeah it's last crazy. year's at one knox in knoxville tennessee 11 uh, years is crazy. Yeah. That is. <laughs> I'm start. I don't know. Maybe I'm starting to feel a little old. I think the hardest part is when you stop playing for like you take a few weeks off, month off, and then you start again. 
I'm, I was feeling it when we're doing the one-on-ones on Friday deal. I was like, Oh dear God. We basically just did one V ones for like an hour. That's just like for three of us. If you, if you score, you like, you stay on, basically you stay as an offense player. And if you uh, have a stop as a defender, then you, you know, you switch. And we literally did that for an hour. And by the end, it's just some, it's some terrible defending, but also some terrible finishing. Yeah. Was both. Was there a goalie I mean, too? There's yeah, a we keeper, had a keeper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. The keeper was pulling him out of the top corner too. So like we, we go in, we're like, all right, we'll get 10 goals. 10 goals wins it. And this guy's saving everything. So we're he's like, going all right, he's going to Oni, Sean. Is he? Yeah, he's going to Oni. He, uh, they snatched him up in the portal, I guess. I, t- I texted Byrne and I was, uh, I was like, oh, I'm training with your new recruit. He goes, LOL, don't make him look bad or don't make him feel bad or something like that. And I was like, no, he's good. He's good. He's like good, uh, good yeah. shot stopper, yeah. good reactions. Yeah. Sees yeah. the ball nice. well. Yeah. Is he a true freshman or he's transferring? No, he's transferring. Think he's, yeah, I think he's a sophomore because he was at okay. he was at Marist for a year or possibly two. I could be wrong gotcha. about that. I think then, he has one. He has one extra year because of the COVID in terms of eligibility. Mm. But I think he's a he might be a junior uh, academic wise. But it was it's it's nice. always funny it's always funny to play with like new keepers when we train because Keegs is does this one thing when he plays. Like as, as a finisher, Keegs. I've never played with anyone who's better than Keegs at like these intricate timing of the shot and where it is. So like he'll know if you're about to overstep, then he'll play it through your legs. He'll know if you're kind of covering the meg that he'll play it the other way. And it's difficult to defend. And, and keepers, they think that they see it, and then it's like sometimes it's not even they the don't. hardest shot, but it's just coming across on that angle through the legs or something like that, and then. I think he started to get it a little bit towards the end, but at first he was like, what the fuck? It's 11, <laughs> no, he, that's 11 years. He, <laughs> yeah. he, de- he definitely got it toward the end. Uh, that's why it took so long for us to get to it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's nice. Dylan, lengthy Dylan, Dylan, did, Dylan did win it in the end, though. Dylan took first. Oh, wow. Champion. Yeah. Come from behind. Yeah. It was a true we're gonna have, we're gonna, yeah, yeah. You were, you were behind by a lot, too. We're gonna have to get another rematch of that because it can't end. It can't end on a loss. We're gonna need a recorded version of this too. It'd be actually really easy because we just set up a channel, yeah. like like uh, post to post, like right. maybe thirty yards out. Keeper clips it or defender clips it. I'll bring. I go. always I always think about it, but I'll bring I'll bring it next time. Like I'll bring a tripod and I'll just set up the phone. And yeah, we'll just... and we got a we got a proper defender next time. Mahoney will be there. So yeah, and we got a USL championship defender. So this will be fun. <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> Um, moving on. I want to. I want to start with a. I want to start with a little start bench cut, but this time it's gonna be formations. So you, as a coach or as a player, you can do it however you want. So I'm gonna give you three formations. You start one formation. You bench one formation. You cut one formation. All right. So we got the classic four four two. We got the four three three, and we got a three four three. Start bench cut. Oh. Is this for you as a player, or is this for uh, like you can put whatever hat you as, want on? As, if you want to put as, it as if as a manager, mm-hmm. I don't know if Keegs is going to go that route. Yeah, uh, I would say, I mean, it's it's impossible. It's an impossible question because it's all dependent on the players. And I think this is what coaches mm-hmm. do too often. They don't take into account the tendencies of their players. They just say this is this is who I am, and, yeah. and that's it. But if I'm saying very generically, I would. Uh, start the traditional 433 i think it suits the most players and is also very good um 
centrally in midfield. You have wingers. Hopefully you can get a few creative players, create chances that way. I'm going to um, bench the 4-4-2 just because I think it's it's something that every team should be able to do is defend in two banks of four at different times. Uh, I think it can be very effective if it's done right. And you, especially the most important in that position or that system is the, the two sixes or two eights. And then I'm going to cut the three, four, three because I played it this year and it was absolute chaos. and I didn't like it. So uh, I'm going <laughs> to cut that. That's totally fair. What about you, Sean? Uh, four, three, three. I'm for sure going to start. That's my favorite formation personally. And I think like he said, it, it's it's a very well balanced formation in my opinion, and I think a lot of players grow up with it. So it's a lot of people have understandings of it. I'm gonna go three four three on the bench just because I think at times it can be used because it's it's really just you can just pull in a four three three. You just pull a six back. It's fluidity of it, yeah. And then you can make substitutions to bring an offensive player. So it's actually just taking one of your three midfielders and making them a center back, and then and it's just a little more offensive. And four four two, it's not a bad formation, but I I think it's just boring to play with. I don't like the room, the the spaces that are given in it. Um, if you have two forwards that are a ten and a striker that are really strong, I think it is nice because then they're playing two v two against the center backs, and you can get you can create chances with just them. So it's an, always an outlet. But then, yeah, you're usually outnumbered in the midfield. So, um, yeah, that's what I'll go with. Yeah, I mean, it's especially now a lot of them are so fluid that like a 3-4-3 can be a 4-3-3. It's basically can be the same exact thing. It depends on the the moment of transition or when you have the ball, when you're out of the ball. Like Pauly, for instance, Keeks is like, why are you like Pauly? But for for instance, <laughs> Pauly kind of plays this 3-4-3 <laughs> where the center back really becomes a six at times and then either the like the four in the midfield, those outside backs or outside mids, however you classify them when you're in possession or out of possession, come in or come out. And I think that's like, that's kind of more where you're seeing it with pros. But I guess for, I mean, at our at our levels, I'm not sure if it's as fluid um, in terms of how it works. But I do agree with one thing Keeg said, and maybe this will be a good topic as well, is just I feel coaches – far too often are stuck in the this is my philosophy thing like this is my philosophy hat and I think that is another problem is that every coach has to have a philosophy when a lot of the times it should be how good can you recognize the players that you have to put them in the right positions to create a winning team if you have if you have the wrong players for a 4-4-2 or a 4 or a 3-4-3 then it could be absolute chaos especially against the ball so why would you keep on doing that? I feel that far too often that coaches stick with this is what I want to play instead of, okay, maybe, look, I do have two forwards that can work well to with each other. Oh, I do have six, eight hybrids that would work well as as box to box. Like let's go to a four, four, two and play the two banks as opposed to maybe I'm used to the four, three, three. I love it because this is the possession um formation now we're going to play like this you guys kind of feel like that as well yeah i mean absolutely yeah, totally. I, I think I, th- I think the biggest thing is is recognizing the tendencies of your players and for you both obviously rate the three four three if you're going to do it would you play with the wing backs as fullbacks or as wingers 
and would you play with three center backs or would you play with like you were saying with Paulie how uh, six drops in like how would your ideal three for three be structured yeah I like I like the three four three like I was saying it's a transition with the four three three so you're the middle center back has to be able to play as a six because I think that makes that's so difficult to defend because if the three back say has the ball and the middle center back decides to drive with the ball the opponent usually doesn't know who to press or who should press them and if that person has quality on the ball it just creates a lot of problems for the other team and then of course your outside backs they should have very good ability on the ball to play as wingers and then kind of in that formation you also want to have wingers up front that can come inside because that's where the spaces will then be so not there they can't both be wide the outside the wing back and the winger um but it depends on the players. Just like I was saying with the four four two, if you have two really strong strikers or a good striker and a ten, then that formation also works, and you can play around them. The rest of the team can play a four four two to fit those two players. If they're two players where they're going to create chances just on their own, then four four two is yeah. great because you can defend with four and four and leave those two up top, basically just shadowing center backs, and then just a quick outlet to them, and they can create something. I think it all depends on whatever players you have. To add on to the the three four three, a lot of the times you'll see either the left back or the right back or the midfielder or whatever. Sometimes they'll come into the midfield and create as as another six or as another eight to give the width to the wingers. So I mean I don't I mean I don't know like in terms of like what I would play as a coach, I'm completely up in the air about that because I haven't had the experience enough to like create my own tendencies. I don't want to use the word philosophy, but like my own tendencies. Um, but I like bits and pieces of everything. So I would always feel like I would like to play different things depending on who we have, maybe depending on who we're playing against. Because in the end, like I don't think keeping, like I, I feel like your core of your team is more built off principles instead of formations. So like the principles are like non-negotiable, but the formations and how we move should always be negotiable. Like we should never always play strictly 4-3-3, in my opinion. Like that that hinders you. There's a lot that hinders you in terms of what you can do to exploit teams. Like there could be just tiny little differences too, but to play the same exact way every time is kind of insane. I think mentally as a player, and it, 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 again, the systems are so fluid, like we're saying, so it really shouldn't matter as much. But the system that your coach is telling you to play messes with you or gives you a ton of confidence, depending on how you feel about it. So if you're going through a bad round of form, and if the coach just switches something, like he, instead of 4 3 3, we're going to go 4 4 2, it completely changes your outlook. And you're like, all right, because yeah, of this. We, because of this, we're going to turn around our, our fortunes. Whereas if you're just kind of like head against the wall, this is the only thing we do. It's tough to get out of ruts, I find. Yeah, agreed. Because I mean, the the ruts too. That like, I mean, you're spot on. It's just these little tiny things that'll help players to see it in a different way. Yeah. So. I always hated playing against three backs, though. Like, I don't know if it was just how I we set up. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't like. Yeah, I didn't like it. I felt we. I always felt like you know that thing when you look across and you count if the other team has an extra man. I sometimes yeah. <laughs> would feel like that, like, what the fuck's going on here? 
Everyone, yeah. you've done that before, right, Sean? Like, been yeah, like, wow, yeah. this game's crazy. Like, let me count to make sure that this is especially 11 11. If, if they're playing if they're playing with a three back and they're good at keeping the ball. It just yeah. seems like they have more numbers in every space of the field. Yeah, especially if they're playing like a three-five-two. So they also have they're playing man man against man in the middle of the field with your center backs. Yeah, and they have three midfielders. There's like where the space, the wing. Okay, there's that's where the space is, but they just play smart and it's never there. Yeah, but didn't happen often because yeah. I think you it has to be a, a lot of good players one, and they have to understand the formation well too. I think that's yeah. why teams don't play it because. A lot of people don't have understanding. Our coaches don't know how to how to teach it properly. You know. Yeah, yeah. I I think as an attacking player with three center backs, it pretty much always ends up being a defensive system to play against. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm not I'm not afraid of them running up the score on us. I'm more so worried about Getting are we chances. going to are am I going to get enough chances because there's three yeah. six foot four guys just up my ass. So but. I found the last especially the last year in the Regional Liga Nord, Sean. And like, I felt that a lot of the buildups kind of went down and everyone was just high pressing. And then a lot of it became second balls, knockdowns. Like I just felt like the game all switched into, can you press and how long can you press to keep that on? And then, I don't know. I don't know if you felt this way, but like I felt games were much more frantic in that last, last season. Yeah, it was. I mean, last season I was watching a lot from the side, so it was. It was. It was very much that, though. It was just like it's a, it's a great perspective. Basically, what team can play better, more direct football, and hopefully press and win the ball in a good area, and then take their chances when they get it. Yeah. I mean, it also has to do with the regional league Nord. The fields are so in such terrible condition that, especially it's in the winter, tough to play from November to April. It's difficult to play out from the back or through the middle it's just dangerous consistently yeah yeah is the weather significantly wor- worse in the north versus uh the yeah the west and the east or all the other i think north and the east are pretty similar the north and the east is are similar but i think the east have better overall better pitches yeah maybe like we have we have a few good ones in, in the north but it's the other leagues have better facilities or better better uh, game pitches. There's also better weather in the south, and, and better weather in the south. A little bit weather, exactly. better in the west as well. Like interesting. Yeah. I think I so let's head into this because the little bit of preparation we did for this episode, we wanted everyone to just come with three topics or so, and um, we'll just see where they take us. And they could it would anything really tied to the game or mentally or. Um, professional game as fans um how we see the philosophy or how we see the game changing etc etc um i want to start with keegs though keegs we'll i think we'll just all go one and then we'll kind of just see where the conversations take us okay i'll start it off then uh so the first topic that i brought is something that's very like recent in u.s soccer i know you guys have been over in germany but in u.s soccer uh this week, MLS decided to basically pull their teams out of the Open Cup, which for those who don't know, Open Cup is like the FA Cup or the Pokal or whatever in Germany. And, and it's the only competition in the U.S. is completely open that a team from the amateur ranks can eventually play an MLS squad and, and beat them um, and make a run and kind of prove themselves uh, at that level. Uh, it's obviously a closed system everywhere else. So it's something that's 
I've always enjoyed as a spectator. And then as a player, I've had some really great moments in it as well. Um, and it's so MLS has basically decided just to pull the team out and they're going to play their basically their second teams, which is MLS next, uh, which is basically academies and it's considered the third division. So the, the, those MLS next are going to take the place of the MLS teams um, in the open cup. And, and I, I guess MLS's reasoning for it is that it's not as profitable for them as maybe the leagues cup, which is the new competition that Messi won uh, this past season. And maybe something to do with fixture congestion. I'm not totally sure on what their rationale is, but to me, it's, I mean, obviously I'll, I'll ask you guys opinion as well, but to me, it's kind of, it's a disgrace and it shouldn't be allowed because a part of the sanctioning for division one status in America is you have to play in your domestic cup um, to be, to be considered a division one league and B like over the last seasons, USL teams have done unbelievably well in it and have beaten MLS teams. Sacramento Republic gotcha. two years ago made the mm-hmm. final, beating, I believe, three MLS teams. Uh, two years ago, Union Omaha in League One beat two MLS teams, made the quarterfinal. Uh, this past year, Pittsburgh Riverhound, I think, beat two teams, I think made the quarterfinal as well. Uh, you might have to fact-check me on some of this. But, but USL is getting a chance to prove themselves and prove that MLS isn't that far out of touch. And now MLS is at a big point in U.S. soccer has taken this opportunity to basically bow out and not compete, which is something they seem to be known for on a lot of levels. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's tough because it's, it's so important for the lower league clubs because my personal experience in it is, is in Greenville. So we had Charlotte FC come, this is when like Christian Fuchs was on the team. And so they come to Greenville, we sell out the place close to 5,000 people, like probably the best atmosphere we had in my time in league one in any stadium. And we go to extra time. We end up losing 2-1, but it was a night that, like, the players remember, the fans remember, and it's also great for the ownership of the club because, obviously, the gate, and it's something that can build the excitement of soccer in in the smaller cities. Uh, But, yeah, that's kind of my take on it, but I think you guys have have to say about that. I mean, it's a disgrace. Yes, Quatch. It's nonsense. It's it's, it's absolute nonsense. The fact – I mean, I saw – I think it was Jimmy Conrad. Is that right? Jimmy Conrad? That's a, a former yeah, ball, yeah. right? He's got a podcast, yeah. I think, on CBS. Yeah. And he was just talking about the in- inclusive inclusivity of MLS and how it's already been kind of cut out, you know, in terms of that. And this is just bringing it to another level. I remember seeing a quote from Don Garber a while. I think it was like actually maybe midway through this past year or last year where he was basically talking shit about the U.S. Open Cup and saying, uh, you know, it's not a great look for us that our um, our best teams are playing on these pitches in these small stadiums and a random place on a Wednesday night or whatever. And just the, the sharp, sharp contrast between Germany on that. That's like people live That's for what the it's fucking Pokal. People live for that shit. Like you said, it helps the teams. They make so much money from being in the Pokal. It it makes it so much more competitive too for these lower tournaments to get into the Pokal. So you have to win in your city or whatever to get there. That makes that even more exciting. So it brings so much more into the local game, which I just feel like Don Garber and the MLS have, they're just, they're blinders onto it. They just feel that the blueprint that's out there in terms of making soccer, what it is and making football, how beautiful it is in these communities from top to bottom, from first tier to 10th tier, they're saying, fuck that. And we have our main tier and everything else is going to revolve around our main tier and everything else we're going to squash. 
And I feel like these little things that they're doing with the MLS next, with taking teams from the USL, with what they did in San Diego for basically just killing a pretty good franchise, what it seemed like, and a pretty good fan base, and basically saying, oh, you have yours? Okay, well, we just made an MLS team here. They are trying to squash any competition or any bit of that hope that a lot of people kind of hold out for to mirror some of the great things about the European game, you know? And I, I, I can't believe that. How is that legal that they can do this? One, two, for the U.S. Open Cup, isn't there something if you win it, then you're in something else? Is that true? You get a Champions League spot, CONCACAF Champions League spot. That's what I'm saying. So then what? They're going to basically say that that doesn't matter or that they're going to protest so that's not a thing anymore so that the U.S. Open Cup doesn't matter? I don't think they decided. Yeah, I don't think they've decided on that. They may give a spot to now a USL championship team, assuming the championship team wins it, or they may take that spot from the Open Cup and just – because I think this year there's something like 10 MLS teams in the Champions League for CONCACAF because of all the different methods of qualification, like a League's Cup, a Supporters' Shield, MLS Cup, Canadian Championship, US Open Cup. There's a a lot of different avenues. So it's like half the league or a third of the league is, is in that competition now. It doesn't, I mean, it would be crazy to see a USL championship team in the CONCACAF Champions League, but. Yeah, but you see it in the, in in the Canadian league, the Canadian champion, um, the Canadian, a CPL champion goes to it. So last, well, Forge has won it four out of five years. So they've been down in like Honduras or Guatemala. um, And the CPL is probably a lower level than the championship even is. Uh, So it's, I mean. It's, it's really cool because because the CPL is better than a lot of these Central American countries. Um, so they're doing well. Yeah. I mean, that, that part's great. But I think <clears throat> just to develop the country itself and all of the leagues together, I mean, it's, it's not surprising that they would do something like this to just protect the MLS and the MLS is the only thing that can exist and everything else doesn't matter. Isn't that so shitty that this isn't it's even just surprising like, at this point? It's like the it fits everything that they've done already. Because, yeah, just saying, like, MLS is the only thing that matters. We're going to protect this league and these players, and the other leagues don't matter. Or the development of the game doesn't matter. It's just this league, which that's what they're missing. Like you said, when you you bring uh, a big club to Greenville or to any smaller city, then you're going to get people interested in the game or just want to be involved with the team, with now Greenville. Now they're coming to USL League One games every week. And Dylan played twice in the DFB Pokal against big teams. One, okay, uh, during COVID and all that. But still, it gets excitement around the club that maybe they've never done it before. And now here you are, this small team winds up having a good season. The next year they play against uh, an MLS team. But now that's just completely gone. And that's, yeah, it's like totally contrary to what we're used to in Germany. We're like, that's what that's what people want to see. They want to see Bayern Munich go to a small club with a terrible field and see, hey, can you do it there? You won and Champions they League, lost. But, and they, and they lost lose to a exactly. Team, which is insane. exactly, Incredible. exactly, and that's and that's what that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure Bayern's not happy about it, but they also can understand like this is this is for the development of the country as a whole, for the football as a whole in the country. It's great because now you have these smaller teams have hope, and other teams say, hey, look, they're four leagues below them, but listen, they're not that much worse, and you can you have a chance. You yeah. have a day. Your goalie has a good day. They have an off day. The pitch is not great. You can win against anybody. But to just to totally get rid of that is crazy. And now with like Messi and stuff in the league, 
you would hope. I hope that we win and we draw Inter Miami. That's that's the hope that, for everyone. Did and you now see that video that about gone, the six-year just... team the other day who like uh, drew PSG in the Coupe de France? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're yeah, going crazy that. and like that's, exactly. that's like, the that's This is what I'm talking about. Things. Exactly. And then exactly. the money that a club gets, right, can help them set up into the next ones. They can basically that money funnels in and then they can start to make runs and maybe get promoted and maybe get promoted and maybe get promoted. Like that, that, that can be a catalyst. And yeah. I, it goes back to the MLS is just saying we're up at the mountain and we're going to have build all the shit around this, all these obstacles. And there's no way that these teams are going to be able to get into the mountain, you know, right. Yeah. right. They've been building a massive moat. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I, don't, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think, I'm not necessarily as mad at MLS per se. And I, and I think MLS should see the bigger picture in it and they should realize the good it's doing for the game. But at the end of the day, like every businessman, every rich person or business or company, they're looking after themselves first. And that's just the way it is. And I think if the Premier league was in charge of, Oh, would we, would they be playing in um, what is it called now? The league cup or the Carlin cup or whatever it's called now. Um, or would the German teams be paying the Pokal if they were in charge of it? Maybe not. But what happens in these other countries is the FA, the DFB, US, well, in our case, US soccer, it's their responsibility to enforce the rules and hold the leagues accountable. And what the problem is in the US, and there's been, there was a marketing agreement that really no one knows about for the last 25 years between US soccer and MLS. It expired a couple of years ago. So really, Prior to this, mm-hmm. U.S. soccer couldn't do anything if MLS kind of stepped out of line. But now, theoretically, they could. There's obviously still a lot of, um, I don't know, uh, inside like schmoozing going on between the two. But a lot of U.S. Schmoozing. soccer, yeah, U.S. soccer needs to take a stand and be like, "No, you're playing in it." So and that's what you're saying. Said, that's what you're saying. You're more upset about is U.S. soccer yes. for not enforcing these things. Well, I mean, obviously, I'll give them a chance to do the right thing. It's been like yeah. three three days. But if nothing yeah. comes of this, and this is just how it is, then U.S. soccer is at fault. MLS is yeah. at fault, too. But MLS needs to look after MLS. And MLS has an argument that this is maybe not the best thing for MLS, just MLS. I personally disagree, but I, I can see that rationale. But U.S. soccer, is that's their job is to grow the game in the country. Um, and it's not to panhandle to whatever whatever MLS wants. Yeah. I mean, I can see that as well. I think there's a lot of issues, I think, in terms of how the MLS is also just structured. Like, this would never happen in Germany. And it's not to say that it would, that the clubs wouldn't want it to happen. Like, I agree. I think a Bayern Munich might, would want more power, would want more maybe closed off things so that they don't have to play against a fourth tier team on a Wednesday because they're more concerned about winning the league and winning the champions league. Obviously they're trying to compete with Europe's best, but um, I just feel like more teams and not to bring it back to Germany again, but I feel like more teams need to adopt something like the 50 plus one rule. Are you familiar with that? No, say what is it? The 50 plus one rule. And I'll just read it off here too, but it's basically a form of kind of uh, ownership in Germany. Um, The name of the rule refers to the need for the numbers of a club for the members of a club to hold 50% plus one more vote or voting rights. So in other words, a majority. So in short, it means that clubs by extension mm-hmm. and the fans have ultimately say in how they are run and not an outside influence or investor investor. So it keeps 
the power of the club in the fans and in the trusts and in the community, as opposed to in the end money being the ruling all factor because people want to make more money. And I know that's a tough thing to enforce because Germany is like the only country who does that, but I feel that it grants more. I mean, it just, it's, it's more democratic in terms of this is what the fans want and this is what is going to stay. And I don't, see that ever happening in us like yeah. it's the mls yeah, is following can, the same yeah. blueprint that all the other leagues have done in, exactly in, yeah in the every US. other sport yeah. yeah and it is closing off everything in terms of like there's no usl basketball you know the g league is an affiliate of the mea and that's what mls next they're trying to have that's the double a the triple a the single yeah. a they're shutting yeah. everything off and yeah i mean we do have too many leagues but MLS at the helm and no competition for anything else, I think is, I don't know. I think it's going to be a huge barrier to the game. Let's see. Hopefully they change yeah. it. But Keek says it just came out, so they have yeah. time. Yeah. The backlash but it's not has surprising. been re- Yeah. The backlash on Twitter has been real. The fans are supporters are not happy with any of it. And, that you, you see people are just like, I don't know, who, who knows how serious they are. Like Nashville supporters are like, all right, I just canceled my MLS season pass on Apple. I'm going to become a, a Chattanooga or a one Knox supporter or something like that. Cause they're the hey. U- USL clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's a small, small percentage of people probably that would actually do, make that kind of change. But also you also uh, had on, how do we fix it? And I feel like I have no idea. I mean, yeah, learn from from European leagues who are doing it right, but as it's it's tough because you have guys like pioneers in in these fields who are trying to grow in the grassroots and trying to grow clubs and things like that, and it just seems that every year there's something else that MLS is throwing down from the castle to prevent it. Yeah, I think the fix has to start from U.S. soccer, well, ideally U.S. soccer. Um, yeah. But then secondarily, um, USL or a smaller league take using the European system of promotion and relegation and just building it themselves and seeing if they can make it big enough to eventually overtake MLS and make it let the people decide which they want to uh, go to, which games they want to go to. But, that would be uh, crazy. As a, yeah, as a, as a player, I mean, what can we do other than play? I mean, just. Yeah, exactly. Short commercial break, and we're back. (laughs) And Um, we're back. Sponsored by Kong Fitness. Sponsored by Kong Kong Fitness somewhere in the studio. Bring it back, Wags. Bring back Kong Fitness. Yeah, bring back Kong. Go go global. We need it. All right, so next topic. We We could change a little bit more personal to us. Go for it, Sean. What was the most difficult phase in your career thus far, and what are the biggest lessons you've taken away from it? Dylan, start us off. Go for it. Um. Okay, so I think the biggest, like the dip, most difficult phase in my career, was kind of um, those that time in Sweden, because there was just such a divide in terms of where I thought I should be and where I was. And like, I don't, I don't, obviously we, I don't look back and regret it. I don't look back and I don't, I don't even look back at it now and like with a salty kind of mind frame. But at the time I remember it being very, very difficult 
um like i had my girlfriend and i had broken up at the time too so that obviously added into the equation um yeah just felt like from the day-to-day training from the games and everything i was like i am so much better than this league and it was very frustrating to um feel like not enough people saw that and not from a terms of like i needed the recognition but that someone would recognize that i could play at a level that would be fulfilling to me um so i would say that was the biggest or the most difficult phase in my career this far i mean this this past four months was a bit difficult in terms of not having a club um it was like one of the biggest breaks i've taken in a while without a team so like there was times where i felt um like just crazy missing the game and like feeling kind of like what the fuck like i need to get back out there um but I also felt that the years before had prepared me for it. So it didn't feel as difficult as maybe it would have been if this had happened when I was 25 or 26, you know? Um, but I would say the biggest lessons that I kind of took away from that time um, was just that like, everything's going to be okay. And the present does not define the future. And just that to keep working, to keep working towards the idea that something was going to come because um basically if i if i if i had fell into that trap i probably would have given up you know after that or very closely after that if i had let that kind of feeling define me that this was like not fulfilling enough instead of looking at it as like oh i'm here let's make the best out of it and then it will come because in the end like it did come um and probably a lot later than i would have hoped um but it did and I think in that moment, looking back, that was kind of the thing. It was just kind of like, believe that it's going to happen and just put the head down and control what you can control. But it was a tough time. Definitely was a tough time. A lot of when self-help books. Can I, so I have a question, not necessarily hundred percent related on the topic, but when did you feel like you quote unquote, like made it? So obviously from perception point of view, you made it when you signed in Austria, Australia, right? Did you feel like that was when you made it? When probably not Sweden, based on what you're saying there. Was it Hessen Liga? Was it Regional Liga? When did you feel like, all right, if I stop tomorrow, I was a pro footballer and I can live with what happened? I mean, I still don't feel like I feel like that, but I don't in a way. Like I yeah. still feel like, to me, what to me, like the ultimate made it is to the, the level that I feel like I can play at. And so mm-hmm. I don't still don't feel like I've reached that level, but in terms of like a level that I was like, I'll look back and be like, that was a good level. Um, Australia really, to me, like, yeah, there was a lot of professional elements and it was the first thing, but in hindsight, like it, like the Regan Liga teams that I played on would beat that team. Like, you know, eight, nine, zero, in my opinion. So I would say probably like those Regional Liga seasons was when I was like, felt the most challenged and fulfilled and like, wow, this is fucking really good. I'm really learning from these guys and I'm not the best player on this team. Yeah, makes sense. It's always, it's always funny because we, you, at least definitely at our level, we're never going to be the best. We're just, we're constantly trying to climb and like at what point, uh, can you you really should never be totally satisfied but at what point are you like all right i've i've done pretty well in the game because if you yeah. can't if you can't look back at it and be like 
oh, I did pretty well, then you're going to be miserable for the next 50 years, 60 years, 100 years if we're lucky. You know, if we're healthy, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I also think like yeah. part of it was like <laughs> the fact that it, like that we did try. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the fact that we did give it a go. And the mm-hmm. fact that a lot of players did give it a go and maybe won't make it to the Regional Liga um, or the equivalent of wherever they are. Uh, I wouldn't say that they would, they shouldn't look back, I don't think, in terms of like that was a failure or that was I'm miserable about that time. Because I think that the, the fact of actually giving it a go is kind of like maybe the biggest accomplishment of my career in a way or the fact that I kept giving it a go instead of like, get into one team or whatever. I think the fact that like um, there was really no eyes on Sean and I, and we kind of created that is probably the big, that, I think that's how I'll look back at it is like, this yeah. is, this was not meant to be in any shape or form. And we kind of made it be in our own way, you know, like it, it's not like we're ever really that super pro, but I don't know if that really mattered in the end but yeah exactly so i mean you never know what you'll get to but like yeah i definitely feel regional liga is like that level where you kind of can say like that's that's professional even though it's not at times i trained regional liga regional liga when i was in darmstadt and i i was like oh my goodness and again this is when i was like straight out of college i was like i don't even know if i'm good enough for this level like they were legit it's a sharp uh, it's a sharp yeah, difference yeah. though and i feel yeah, like yeah. i feel like with us three specifically i do feel like we could play at i mean i'm not gonna sit here and say like you know we we could be playing mls but i do feel like if you gave us time in certain situations that we would always play up to the level like yeah, it I may take a little bit but i always I felt with a chance i could play up to a lot of levels that people wouldn't think yeah definitely and i think it's very hard to go from up training every day in a lower level and then just like hopping into regional league or mls or my experience would be like in israel with maccabi haifa i was coming from college took a month off and then go to training with maccabi haifa and i was like oh wow. my god i i am terrible at soccer like that like that's that's in my right. mind at that time that's the recovery of it yeah. all too like the yeah. recovery of it all you know like yeah i mean college we yeah. play every day basically yeah. for i mean yeah three three months months. yeah but if you're getting a trial at the end of the spring like it's like holy shit yeah Yeah. i'm not used to a a professional schedule that's another thing too is going from a semi-professional schedule to a professional schedule is very tough on the body and i think guys if you're training you can kind of you should have that in mind because going from two days training a week to four or five days training a week and still having the same recovery and ability on the weekend is fucking hard. That's very hard. And Sean was out there yeah. doing doubles like every few day, every three days a week with one of his coaches. Yeah, Sean's, Sean's a machine. He's a machine. He, no, he the coach thought we all were, but Sean's it didn't work out. <laughs> hey, I watched your guys' five minute mile. I was I was impressed. I still gotta post a second video, but I've been dying for it. it. But I want I want to see you do it, Keegs. I oh, do, I'll get the video not. done. You I'll gotta pay done. me. You gotta pay me to do something like that. <laughs> Honestly, you'll get terrible. the next. You'll get the next merch on us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll we sponsor you. As Run it in the not, hoodie. Run it in the hoodie, and we'll give you your money back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that goes out to anyone. If you could break a five-minute mile with the hoodie on, <laughs> we'll give you your money back. Oh my God! Yeah, we will. 
<laughs> That's of course, a you have to record it. You have to you record, have to record it. it. Uh, yeah. I'd pay to see Wags in a five do a five minute mile. And it has to be ran. None, none of these trick things. Like yeah. you're running run a five minute on. mile with the hoodie on, and you get your money back. I was like, that should have been the whole like <laughs> that should have been the whole like rollout. Oh man, the, that would have been maybe merch. that's the next promo video to sell the rest. Maybe. Um, Take your shot. I want to hear Keegs's though. Yeah, Keegs, go on. Difficult phase. Uh, most difficult phase. So I I think similar to you, Dylan. I've obviously had a few that come to mind, but the hardest one was you know, 2013, which is the year. So I graduated or my last college season was 2012. And then 2013 was the year I was kind of on trials from basically January until August. And August was when I signed in the lower leagues in Germany eventually. But like that phase from January to August, I was in USL on trial. I was in Israel on trial, Austria on trial. And eventually germany with all the probably 10 teams in total um and uh, we probably went more in depth into it in one of the previous podcasts but but during that phase it was just that whole time like everybody because i was drafted everybody thought like i was a pro quote unquote and i knew deep down that i like i wasn't even playing for a team let alone even a bad level like i wasn't playing for a team at all um so that was definitely the most difficult period where i'm just kind of bouncing around trying to find anything and i was kind of lucky in the fact that for those seven months i was pretty much training with a different team at a different point because like one team i was there for two months one th- one team i was there for three weeks i played usl2 for two months when i got home and it was just i was constantly playing so i wasn't like losing fitness but that whole period i was like will I ever get anything? And I think it, what made it the hardest was just the fact that I had never done anything in my mind in the game up to that point. Whereas maybe some more difficult points later on, I at least could fall back on, okay, I've done this. I know I can get back to this level if I do the X, Y, Z. Uh, but at that point, you have no idea. You're just, you're a kid out of college and you're just living in random yeah. places uh, yeah. and just trying to get anybody, literally anybody to say yes. I know. Yeah. It's literally yeah. like, please help me, sir. Yeah. 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 I will play for free. I will pay you. I will, I will pay, pay you. We pay to play system. You don't need yeah. to house me. And it's just like, yeah. no, no, sorry. We can't get a visa. No, sorry. You're not good enough. No, sorry. Over and over land, and over. It's again. a land and a sport full of no's. And like Keek said, yeah. um, if you guys want to hear more about that story, um, I think it was on the second one. I think we talked into it. And there's also yeah. actually an article on our site on footwork.club slash press. So um, to hear a little bit more about that kind of period of no's, it's, it's super interesting and fascinating and goes into kind of the um, whole feeling like you might not make it or you might not be good enough. And that whole period of, you know, everyone thinking you made it, that kind of imposter syndrome can come out too. So um, highly recommend that, but yeah. What are the, like, what are the biggest lessons you, you take away from it? Um, probably just persistence and self-belief. I think you have to understand going into it that you're going to like expect the worst. And then if something better happens, then that's great. But if you have, if you expect the best and you expect everything's going to be easy and you're easily going to make it, um, then you're going to, you're going to quit early. Uh, So that the biggest thing for me is just accept it. And, and you have to, just be like, if you have to be comfortable with not making a ton of money, you have to be comfortable with living in a random place. You have to be comfortable with, as you said, breaking up with your girlfriend or whatever. And 
yeah, if, you, if you're not willing to do that, then just do something else that makes you happy. But uh, if you, if this is what you really want to do, then you're going to have to hear a lot of no's probably and, and just be persistent. And that and that's even for people who start off at, at MLS level or any level because yeah. there's yeah. there's always going to be different trials and tribulations based on uh, where you're at. So. Yeah. You got to yeah. that's a great great way. You got to know if you really want it. You have to yeah. know and be honest with yourself, do I really want this because if not if not it's not it's not going to be a glorious ride the whole time. Yeah. What about, no. you? What about you, Sean? Sean, this is your question. You guys brought up a few good points that I that I also agree with is that for sure last season was my most difficult phase. I There was a few reasons for it. Number one, so this, this new coach came in the previous season in the winter. And then, and I played basically every game under him as a center back. And it was kind of his guy. And we won nine out of 10 games. We tied one, so we didn't lose a game uh, in that second part. And then going to the next season, during preseason, it seemed like, once again, I was his guy. He was going to make me captain. I was going to be his center back. He was looking to pair me with this other guy, left-footed, so I'd be on the right. This guy would be on the left. And then one thing leads to another. I kind of have this injury, but I keep playing in preseason because we kind of did overkill. We did a lot of training. But I was like, all right, I'm this guy. I got to keep playing. I don't want to sit out because I know what this thing, I don't really know what it is. The doctor's telling me it's nothing, but it's definitely something. I can't sprint, but I just want to play because I'm this guy. Then I start playing poorly. Then I eventually say, listen, no, I got to stop because even though the doctor's saying it's nothing, I know it is. I know I just need a few days break and I'll be good. Really didn't like that. And then basically from that point on, it was just like I was the backup. If someone was injured or suspended, I'd play. Other than that, there was no shot. And then the second half of the season, didn't never touch the field once. So it was this weird position where I was like, what what just happened? I was I was supposed to be the guy. And then I'm like, definitely not even the guy. I'm not even anywhere near getting on the field unless circumstances force me onto the field. How did this all happen? And of course, I reflect, okay, how are my performances when I got a chance? Okay, definitely could have played better here, there, there should have stepped out earlier with the injury because I know myself, I don't need the doctor to tell me what's wrong with me or what isn't wrong with me. Um, also, you can never just don't let, don't ever think of the hype of anything. It's just like, just take one training at a time, regardless of what anyone thinks or says, you always have to perform every day, basically in every performance, because ultimately it's just a reflection. Like you're only as good as your last performance. Um, but then kind of in the second part of that season where I knew, okay, he's not going to play me. And even though now I'm playing well consistently in training and every chance I get in training, because I wouldn't, I didn't play a minute in the field or if I go to the second team and play and the players then start to be mad with the coach because we keep losing and we have such a great team, but we keep losing and now they want changes and they want me to be on the field. And once kind of that changes where the players are now going to the coach to say, Hey, listen, what are you doing? Like we're missing this and this and this and Sean could do that. Why is he not playing? And then it becomes, you get over the hump, basically. Like, you know what? I know my self-worth. I know I'm good enough. I'm performing in training. And sometimes in football, the manager has an idea and an opinion, and it doesn't matter what you do. This is just it. And you kind of have to just eat it. And this is the situation for this next half a season. Learn from it. What I learned from it is basically just go to training every day with a good attitude. Be a good teammate. On the weekend, don't pout on the bench. I know I'm not going to play. I'm preparing as if I will get a chance, but I know I'm not going to. So I'm not going to sulk in the corner like a lot of players do if they're not playing or they're not starting. They 
basically try to bring everyone down, which is the complete wrong thing to do. Ultimately, you want the team to win. And yeah, I just know when it, at the end of the season, I was like, you know what? I'll just prepare, use every day. This is a great team to not be playing because like Dylan said, we would train seven times a week. So <laughs> it's a perfect team to not be playing on the weekend because I'm getting full-time training, uh, which is great. And it's just preparing you for the next opportunity. But also knowing that like, okay, it doesn't matter what the coach thinks. That's not going to affect how I feel or perform because yes, I would love to play on the weekend, but I know my value as a player and I know fortunately that this team is very good. So the training level is very high because the full roster is, is really strong. And that the fact that we just keep losing with this great team just shows that it's not, it's not just me. It's the coach is having maybe a rough time for whatever reason, something's going on. And now you see this year, the same team is is doing really well and winning everything. But with that, I think what I learned from it is going into this next, I just I signed for an, an overleague team, a league lower for the past six weeks of the season. And then you go there and I play just completely free. Like I have nothing. I know that I'm probably going to only play here for the next six weeks. I know what happened this past season where I'd never played. So I'm just going to enjoy playing. And now I see, wow, I came to Germany in the Oberliga and I was struggling with the pace. I had to get used to it. I definitely was not as good as everyone else. And now I go to this team who's in last place struggling, but they shouldn't be. And I completely flip the team and play as like an eight or a 10 in the midfield the whole time. And consistently the best player every single game for both teams. And then I see, look, once again, this is just like showing me everything that happened last season is just an environment. And we've said it before, you just have to change the environment. And that was just a situation where, okay, things definitely my fault in the beginning, for sure there, I made many mistakes. And then when I got opportunities to come back, I played in the, the friendly matches too early. I wasn't ready. And then I have a bad performance because I wasn't ready. And this is, this is all on me. And then at some point you just lose the coach or you lose whoever, and they no longer see you as a valuable person player on the team. They might see you value because you bring whatever good energy, so they keep you on the roster, but they know they're not going to play you. And at some point, you have to be able to reflect and say, okay, listen, this is the position I'm in. I can either leave the team, or if I don't leave the team, this is what I have to deal with. And I think that was easier to go through when I was 28 years old versus if I was 23 or 24, who knows, maybe you just stop playing because then you're questioning, okay, am I good enough? Maybe I'm not good enough for this level. Maybe I should just stop playing. But to be able to go through that and then I see players going through it now and it's like, yeah, listen, it's a tough, it sucks to be in that position, but you can take so much from it and you can also then learn how to properly train and basically ignore what happens on the weekend and just always go to training as if it's game day, which there's a fine line of when you're playing on the weekend that you should, like, honestly, this when I was with the Oberliga team, I would make sure I was 100% on the weekend because I knew the team really needed me and I would be the one to make the difference. So I wasn't always going in a thousand percent, say, into tackles in training because I need to make sure I don't get hurt for the weekend. But last season, it was like, okay, training, this is my game day. I don't give a shit what the coach says. This is my game day. And if he gets mad at me for going hard, well, then play me because this is kind of what I am. And I'm going to show, I'm going to prove to you at the end of the day that I'm a professional. And even though you're going to make the situation shitty for me and now you're never going to play, you're not going to get a chance. I want to continue to show you and make you look stupid when half the team is going to you saying, oh, hey, this guy should play, that that's that's professional football. And you see it. What I always said is like you see this in the Premier League and the highest levels. You see a player 
who was had the season before was the best player on the team. Then this next season, he doesn't play. And you wonder, wow, what is he just not trying? And then all of a sudden he changes or their new coach comes in and then he's the best player again. And it just, then you see, okay, this happens at every level. It's just something can happen. It could be an injury. It could be they don't get on with the coach. They get in a fight with the coach. It could be a million things. But there's so much in the background that it's not a reflection of yourself as a player. You should learn everything you can from it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're just not good enough for this level. You're not good enough for this team. There's so much other factors that come into this. Kudos to Sean, man. Kudos yeah. to Sean. It was I'm, crazy, just but it's... I'm just happy you're playing as a 10. Hell yeah. Dude, dude. I, it's so much fun. Or some goal So I much fun. Too. I haven't seen them So yet, much fun. But... Yeah, unfortunately, the there was no videos, but honestly, honestly, two of my goals were ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's just one of the, it happens, and I was like, how did that even happen? Yeah, it's fantastic. But yeah, I think I think yeah. I think that's what happened. Is like I was just playing. Okay, for okay, you're sure you're higher up the field, so I could take more risk and just try more things. But also, you realize like, okay, maybe this level is a little worse than what I should be playing at, so I can do more things and I could get away with and say the regional liga. But at the same time, it's like worst case scenario. What's what's the worst case scenario? This team's been losing every game anyway, so the only thing that I could do is help this team as a player, but also just to teach these young players, like, listen, certain things that will help you grow as a player. And then what happened, the team has turned around. And yeah, I'm very happy about that because I told the club when I signed, like, listen, I'll bring you this, but I'll also not bring myself as a player, but also like bring some leadership to this team that is certainly lacking it. And you guys spend all this money, but you have no results. That's not just because the players are bad. It's because there's no leadership. And it, it happened exactly. So that was kind of like what Dylan was saying before. It's like kind of the journey. When, when did I say I made it? This past six or that past six weeks was kind of like, yeah, look, I came here six years ago being like I can't really keep up with this level. And now I'm at this level basically teaching players how to play at this level and try to get higher. Mm-hmm. And it was That's cool. It was fun and frustrating, That's of course, cool at moment. times, but it was a cool moment. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Shows just how far you've come. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's Sometimes it can be hard to reflect on that and be like, have I actually improved over the last five years? Or Because the game, I mean, if you're staying in the same league, in general, the league is improving, at least in my case, like in in League One. So it's like the league's always improving. So you're like, am I getting worse or is the league getting better? Or is like, what is, but uh, for you to have that experience is really, really cool. Yeah, I've never really experienced over time a league getting worse especially yeah. overseas. Like, I just feel like that yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, Ask Michael, Michael is always getting better. Yeah. yeah. Michael Owen. Mike, Michael Owen can suck it. What about Michael Owen? That's a good segue. Perfect, 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 segue. Segue. perfect segue for you. So I wanted to just kind of bring in this Michael Owen quote where he said recently, um, and he goes, and of course it starts like this, back in the day, back in the day, there were loads of great players that were absolute ballers. <laughs> Now, if you can just run a bit further than everyone else and pass the ball from A to B, then you can have a decent career in the Premier League. You don't even have to be that good anymore. And I just I just wanted to kind of let that float and just see where we agree or disagree or like why older players always have to say back in my day and follow it up with something demeaning. I think you always want your level or your time playing to be the ultimate time. And I think it's yeah, hard to right. get out of that. I, I think mentally want, you want that, but also you think that because 
when you're in the moment, you're like, goodness, these guys, Ronaldo, uh, Rivaldo, like Zidane, like all the players that were playing during Michael Owen's time period are, are obviously their ballers. Yes. And he's not wrong. Um, I think it's difficult to take yourself out of it and then analyze what it is present day. But I think to his point, um, if you're just analyzing it and giving it kind of a fair assessment, I don't think he's totally wrong in the sense of like, there were more quote unquote ballers uh, because the game was different. And I, and I think we can equate it to like, say you guys in college. So Dylan, you'd be considered a baller at Oneana. Yeah. I mean, I would assume. Yeah. And when you, when you go to the regional Liga, which is obviously a much higher level, you are not, you're still a good player, but you're not a baller anymore. Um, So present day, the game is faster. The the defenders are more physical. Um, It's just, it's just a more difficult game as an attacking player, because you're also asked to do a ton of defending. The defending is better. So there's less time for a player to kind of just chill on the field and be as creative as he wants to be because you don't win games anymore like that. Um, So to his point, maybe there were more players like the flair 10 type players who have now kind of phased out of the game. Um, So if that's the point he's trying to make, okay. Um, But from my perspective, that doesn't mean it's the game was better back then. That just means it was a different way of playing that allowed for maybe more creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think just overall, I think, He's he hasn't played that long ago, but if you go back even farther, the difference between the best and the average was a lot bigger than it is now. Yeah. Of course, you have yeah. Messi, Ronaldo over the past years; they were kind of on their own little thing. But everyone else, there's a lot of good players, and even with those good players, there's better players. But you don't have, yeah, you don't have guys that look like they shouldn't be on the field, and Maradona's dribbling past them with ease. I mean, it was a di- it's a different game, and when. Even just ath- athletically alone, if you just make put more athletes on the field, it's more difficult to do things. Period. Mm-hmm. Because other players that are defending are faster and stronger, so that that alone makes it more difficult. And then when you put ability on those players, then it just raises the level of the game. So in order to be an exceptional, absolute baller, you have to be a Messi. And you don't see many of them because I think the level overall has increased. Technical level, I just don't, I think it's hard to deny, like, for me, it's hard to deny that the game is always getting better because there's more science, there's more research, there's more training, there's, they're, they're into it in a different level, they're starting younger, they're getting more technical training. It's tough for me to think, like, it's not, how could it be any, how could the technical ability be less now? The discrepancy, like you guys said, or Sean said too, is what's a little bit bigger now that discrepancy from the technical players to the not. And I would said this to, to someone else before too. I think you could place any player in the premier league now in the premier league 20 years ago, and they would still be a premier league professional footballer, but you no way could place every premier league player from back then in premier league today. Exactly. And yes, obviously yeah. the athletic ability, like he said, it is true. I agree with that. Like, it's definitely more physical and more fitness involved. And that is more important now for sure. But technically those players, most players were not as good as the players. Now they just, you can't watch a game and, th- and think that in my opinion, just watch the highlights. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and like, it, it's exactly. like there are baller players. Like yeah. you said, the flair yeah. players, yeah. Zizou's, yeah. the, the Beckham's, you know, like yeah. that had these abilities, but I mean, come on, what are we really talking about here? 
And he didn't even stop playing that long ago. He almost is no. present day. What was he, like 2013 or something? And wasn't he mostly like kind of a screwy kind of forward who would really be making runs and things like that? Like, yeah, to be honest, his yeah. game was not the most yeah, absolute yeah, baller like. I hate to say yeah. it. Yeah. Except for maybe that goal against Argentina where he like True. went through everyone. But I right. mean, he was a baller. I'm not denying yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But you like, you look at a team like City and you're going to tell me that players were more technical back then. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> Bernardo's, I mean, regardless, I want to end that part that question with just a couple other michael owen quotes because he has he has a he has this uh, still tomatoes and michael owen day he, uh, are you gonna know are, are, are you gonna tag him are you gonna tag him in this podcast or i'll never uh, see you, it but yeah. he's got a reputation for saying things that are like like you know water is wet like just like very simple things that you're like oh yeah no shit like a team's down one zero and he's like oh they're gonna want they're gonna need to score if they want to tie it up like those kind of quotes. So I just want to read a few here. If there's a bit of rain, <laughs> if there's a bit of rain about, it makes the surface wet. So that's that's true. Important. Yeah, it's not wrong. Footballers these days often have to use their feet. Yeah. <laughs> Blackburn have got two strikers on, and they're both playing up front. Whichever team scores more goals usually wins. I mean, it's just uh, fucking facts, bro. Uh, oh, when like... they don't, when they don't <laughs> score, they hardly ever win. <laughs> um, it's a good run, but it's a poor run, if you know what I mean. Uh, I wish I could see that run that he's talking about yeah. right now to, to see if I do. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a whole thing. Wow, I didn't realize how many there were to stay in the well, game you have to stay now. in the game to stay in the game you have to stay in the game I mean, sounds like he's like some philosopher that's just yeah i mean the whole the run one i can kind of get i could create a situation in my head where it's a good run but it's a bad one <laughs> i would just I, I need to see this run now i need to yeah. see this maybe run. maybe it's a maybe it's a good run but he mistimed it right exactly or something like that exactly you guys are focused it's... on the wrong quotes <laughs> <laughs> He said, "When uh, it rains, the surface gets a little wet." And I mean, it I, does. It true. does. It does. When you think about it, that's so deep on so many it's levels. Very true. And if you don't score, you're not going to win the games. I mean, it's just. I mean, these kinds of things Wait, you really well. You I mean, break down. The other team could score, so you could still yeah. win. Yeah. The, well, you don't. Win. It's possible. The other team wins. <laughs> well, they score on themselves. Score on own goal. Oh, okay. Does well, the count I mean, of you scoring? It's not that I mean, deep I guess. <laughs> Either way, let's snake this. So I'll do another one. Um, what parts of the game do you hate? So which parts create the most stress and imbalance for you? Go for it, Sean. Um, there's there's two. Our first one, I can't stand when uh, teams don't have a training plan that you could kind of plan stuff in the future, at least a week in advance. Like you where you're just completely, I've had the experience where you're completely locked in 365 days a year, basically, to this team. And you never know when you're going to have training or not have training. So you can never plan something to just do something, even if it's just one day off. It's, uh, yeah, we actually learned at the coaching course that you need to have at least one week out plan so that players can do stuff because it's not healthy to just which I experience is like you're constantly thinking, okay, we're gonna he's gonna change training and change the time or put it on this day, and then you just basically you live day by day, which 
over the long term is you just burn out. Yeah. Um, and the second part, it's kind of, I mean, there's two parts to this one. There's just a lot of shitty people in football in the business. And I just, I can't stand that. Like it, I don't, there's no reason for it. Um, and when it comes down to money, like simple things, like just pay to play players when they're supposed to get their money. Number one, um, going into, I mean, negotiations are one thing that's fine, but just don't, just don't lie about things. If you're going to say, um, yeah, you know, this is, we agree to this. And then when it comes time, they just do something, the total opposite, even if you've had it written down, it's just like, that's unnecessary. And for some reason, the football world seems to have a lot of that. Um, it's just it's just dumb i don't i don't understand why why it is and i think the game overall would just be better without that um and yeah it just seems like the football world is full of that even some people that might be good nice to you to other people they're like the worst person in the world some shit yeah mm -hmm. so it's and i've experienced both of those where i was treated nicely and the rest of the team was treated horribly and i was i've seen it where players are treated like their son and then I don't get paid, you know, and it's, it's just unnecessary and it doesn't make any sense anywhere else in any other job. It wouldn't happen, but for whatever reason, football, it seems to be pretty common. Couldn't agree yeah. more. Those are some good ones. Uh, for me, I would say there's a, probably a lot, but the main one would be how reliant we are on other people, like not yourself. Um, and that could be like, if you're playing up front, you're relying on service if you're a goalkeeper you you're reliant a bit on your back four not to make you look like shit and and as part of me is has always been like maybe i'd be better off my mentality the way my brain works in an playing individual tennis. sport playing yeah. tennis and where i could just be like well i was terrible today or well i was really good today because in 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 our sport like you get that but at the same time there's a bit of it like i felt my my body felt really good today when i got the ball my touches were really really clean today but i didn't get a chance i didn't score a goal i didn't we lost and it, it's tough to kind of really analyze the situation because there's just so many factors. And I mean, the other team as well. And that's, that's a big factor. Um, coaches, what, like how they're setting you up, who they're playing. Are they playing the right players? As in Sean's case, is he giving them the best chance to win? And, and that's kind of my biggest gripe with, with the game. I, I think there's a, there's a lot of other bad stuff. There's a lot of good stuff as well, but for me, it's just really too, where it's so reliant on, everyone else and that's that's my biggest issue yeah i uh i agree and kind of like for one of mine to piggyback off that is like the reliance on someone to take a chance on you and i i mean i'm you feel it a little bit now and i've been out of contract and i felt that early in my career as well is that you're so like pick me pick me pick me please just give me a chance like don't look at i know i'm a smaller and skinnier dude like just give me a chance and you'll show that i, I can play at these levels like it's crazy across the world. I've been written off because of my size, which is just even like, and I would get it in, in America it made sense. Cause this is just how they looked at sports, but I would get it abroad too. And that's just, it was insane to me because I have so many other attributes that make up for it. Like I'm not this big bruiser. Who's going to just come clear people out in, cha in challenges, but I'm nifty enough where I can slide, I can poke and I can, um, I'm very good laterally where, you know, I don't think I need those attributes. I mean, if you're going to a, a route one game, maybe, you know, sometimes I'll be found out in terms of battles and things like that. But even so, like, I don't know, that was always a, a gripe with me. And it always was 
so annoying to have to rely on people to just be like, oh, please take a chance and then be so thankful that they take a chance when it's like, yeah, thank you. But also, like, I know I'm going to make your team better. So, like, I I don't want to have to beg in this instance. Like, that yeah. that balance was always very tough for me, still is. And, um, yeah, picking up back in off what Sean said, the people in this game, what they think they can get away with is um, people who, who think that they're good people, too and probably go about their day in very normal ways and are good people. But some, for some reason in football, they try to pull these things that you know they know what they're doing and still they still do it and they still try and take advantage of, of players who aren't making that much. And especially in situations where these people are full-time people who have made a lot of money in their life and still to them to try and weasel people out of nickels and dimes who need it a lot more than them was is just so frustrating, so stressful to me. Yeah, it's, it's a tough sad. game out it's there, man. It's a tough yeah. game. <laughs> I, th I think the reason why they can do it more so in our sport is because of how expendable we are. Um, true, there's, exactly. so many players. There's, just, there's just so many players at, yeah. at a, almost the exact same level as us. Oh, you see a lot our, of turnover, yeah. you see a lot of yeah. one year deals, yeah. you see so yeah. much turnover. And you have players doing what you just said. They're begging, please take me. I'll take yeah, nothing. Yeah, I'll take yeah, I'll take hundred yeah. euros a month. You don't yeah, need because to people are desperate to get started and it creates yeah. this market. And I yeah. you know, I'm I was in that we position were that. too. Exactly. I would play for anything. At one point. Yeah. And yeah. so a lot of times a team may take that or they may not. And it creates so much competition for so few places. Yeah. Yeah. True, true, true. Who's up next? I think I'm going to go next because it kind of goes off of that. What's one piece of advice to give someone not sure if they want to pursue professional football or get a regular job? So kind of mm. half, should I fully commit to this or not? Or can I do this without fully committing? I would, in a two part, I would say, no, you can't do this without fully committing. You can have, um, like we used to call it, like you can have a summer camp where you can go play somewhere for, three months, six months, and just get the experience of Europe and have that feeling that you're always going to go back. Um, but if you really want to do something, you have to go both feet in, in my opinion. You have to go all in, and you can't think about the the regular job, quote-unquote. Um, and I think my advice, though, in that situation would be you can always come back to the regular job. That job isn't going to evade you for your whole life because – you took a chance on this and I get, we're all in different positions monetarily and some people just can't even afford to do that. And that's fine. But I think if you can, that regular job is not maybe that specific one, you won't ever get back, but you'll get a job and you can find jobs. I don't think that it's just not so absolute in terms of like, if I don't get this job, like, you know, I'm a failure. If I didn't make it in football, like, I don't. I just don't see it that way. It never did, and that would be my advice. What about a, a relate? What about a relationship? A relationship. I mean, I think that's between you and your partner, and I think that's so case by case basis. Because yeah, distance is hard, but I also think distance is just kind of like a not to get super deep here. Distance is more of just like a social construct that everyone thinks you have to be with your partner at all times. When if it's okay for you and your partner to follow your dreams and do what you want to do, 
and still have that communication to do it how you want to do it, then I see no problem with it. I don't think you have to say like, I'm leaving people behind and I'm going to go do this. I think this is just the honest communication that you need to have with your partner, that this is how you see it. And this is maybe how you want to make it work. But if you don't see it working like that, then maybe we don't do it. That's kind of how I see it a lot more. It's not so, it's just not so black and white, but that's a good question. Yeah. I think, I think that's more the question that a lot of people, not just relationship with girlfriends, but like with family and because of the Family's nature of going, one, over, going so over to tough. Europe Family's a tough one. And, and you're afraid to just go over and live a completely different life and not be yeah. close to them because you, you can close to them their, your entire life. And whereas a job, yes, you can, you can find a new one. Uh, obviously you have, your family will always be there, but maybe a relationship won't always be there. Or maybe, I don't know, friendships will fade because of you're not there. You're not going out on the weekend. You're not doing all those different things. I think that's the tougher part for people to kind of wrap their head around. Um, yeah, but for point. me, I guess the, the first thing that I would ask, like, do you want to be comfortable? Is comfort important to you? And if the answer is yes, then, then I especially would say, in the short term, yeah, especially yeah, in the short term. Yeah. yeah. And if like that's really the the only question, like yeah, we'll every everything else kind of piggybacks on that. Do you want to be comfortable? Okay, yes, you get the job and you stay at home. Do you want to be comfortable? Okay, yes, then you you stay on your family. You you do this. Uh, but if you're you're open to new things, then then obviously there there's that. And the, and you also just you have to love the game. Like that's kind of like a basic thing. Um, I feel like that's a given. But the one question I would ask: Do you want to be comfortable? That's yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, being comfortable and the certainty of things or the lack thereof, because yeah. those are like two guarantees. You won't be comfortable and you won't really know what's going to happen next or what. I mean, there's so many uh, unknowns that after you're doing it for a while, that becomes exciting. But mm -hmm. in the beginning, yeah, it's scary and you have no idea what's going to happen because you've never done anything like it. It's a um, crazy hurdle. Of course, you have to love the game. That's it goes without saying. Um, but like Dylan said, the job will always be there. A job, maybe not that job. Um, but yeah, you you have to be completely in because I think if you're not completely, first off, all in on it, one, um, you'll hit so many hurdles that eventually you just will lose momentum and you'll go back if you're not all in. And number two, I think with anything, if you just go all in, then you can quickly find out if you really like it or not. If you're always dipping your toe kind of in the pool, but not completely, you don't really know if you really enjoy what you're doing or not. But if you completely go into it, then you can find it might just, it might be only a few weeks where you realize, nope, not what I like. Or you realize, yeah, this is what I like. Okay, how can I make this work? Um, and that's kind of how I like to do things. And I feel like that's, it's worked for me to realize I don't like doing this. I really like doing this. I'm going to do more of it and so on because you just, if you just commit all the way to something, it doesn't mean you have to leave everything else behind. You can do multiple things at once. But if you commit total 110% to something, you find out a lot quicker than say, okay, let me do this sort of for two years and maybe I'll realize. Whereas if you just go all in, you'll realize, okay, after three weeks, nope, this is, this is, I hate this. I don't like doing this. this is boring or whatever. Or you find out I really like this. I really like a particular thing about this and then go from there. Yeah. I think people aren't honest with themselves enough though, too. Or like sometimes they won't know if they like it or not because they're so uh they're so reliant on kind of like the perception. I think that's yeah. People that's just right. need the to like, what do they look value? In. 
Yeah, look in. Like, I mean, I mean, we were talking about it before. It's just when you when you are an understanding of what you truly want, then I think you can attack it. Whereas if you're not sure, then you're always like, well, how does this look? How does this going to make me look? You know, if I didn't do this at this age, then how does this? And so there's too many questions. And like Sean said, there's too many hurdles. And if you're not going at full speed, full tempo, you're going to trip over those hurdles a lot more. And they're going to do more damage to you than if you were going full speed. Then you might hit those hurdles and it might trip you up a little bit, but you still have the momentum. You're still going. If you're going at half speed, that first hurdle could stop it. And so, again, then you might not really know if it was ever for you. And then that's that's kind of that yeah. sequence of living with more regret. Yeah. I, th- I think a great thing that you brought up, Dylan, is if anyone has a chance to do that quote-unquote summer camp type thing, you take it. Because it's if you don't go, if you don't give it your all, that's fine. You go enjoy Europe. Like you don't have to apologize. That's what for I'm that. saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right. Just, just do great. it, and then, and then, like you can look back and be like, yeah, I went over and I lived in Germany for six months. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You didn't lose, miss out on anything. You played a bit of footy, and you realize like either you weren't good enough or I'm not fully committed to this life. Great, but like it shouldn't be looked at in a bad way that you kind of just went over and played lower league Europe. If you have that opportunity, do it 10 times Agreed. out of 10. Yeah. Agreed. Completely agree. Uh, yeah. Am I up next? Yeah, Keith. Well, that was, that was a good one. What do I want next? Okay. Yes, this is the one. I think we're all kind of, you guys probably have a few more years than me, but we're reaching kind of our 30s. Dylan's got a 30th birthday coming up. I'm 33, if you believe it. Um, I don't. I really don't. Still looks 26. <laughs> I would have said 22. Are, 25 on a good day. You guys are flattering me. Uh, but I guess the point everyone reaches in, in sport is you're like, when is the time to stop playing? Um, so in, in your guys, obviously none of us have done it yet, uh, but we've seen people around us do it. Um, and I'm sure it's crossed the mind a little bit. It's like, how do you know when to stop, when to retire, when to move on to the next phase of life? I think it's a very, very difficult question. Um, it's a great question, but I think it's a very difficult one to answer. And like you said, like, I think in these last, in these past couple of years, especially in like the last year, maybe last year and a half, it's not that I, I see like the retirement coming soon, but it's kind of that first phase in my life where I start to think about, okay, what could be next? And then starting kind of to set up those building blocks. So like there is those thoughts that come a little earlier than I would say I'm not really at that level like at that I'm not even really close to that time where I'm like is it time to retire but in a simple way how I've always thought about it and maybe I'll think about it differently as it gets closer is when the stress when the annoyances when all of the things that come with it outweigh the love and fun that I'm having playing that's when I would feel like that's the time to retire. And that's a kind of an open-ended general way of looking at it. But I feel like I'm a pretty intrinsic person. I've, I've, I'm, I do a lot of kind of self-intrinsic work, asking myself questions. Why do I feel this way, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like in those moments, I'll be able to answer them. Obviously, you think you're going to be able to prepare for it, but no way. I mean, this game has been so important to us for so many years. The fact that, you are going to set aside full on importance for it for something else is something that 
I don't think you can really prepare for until it really happens. I mean, obviously you can have different avenues that'll kind of take some of the same attributes and maybe you'll be able to transition easier. But that's how I always looked at it is when the, the fun and the love and joy that I have playing day in and day out is overwhelmed by all the other things. And the other things also is like, how's my body feeling If all those things come together and it outweighs the fun and stress or the fun and joy that I'm having. Then I think that's the time. Yeah. I think they go off that yeah. exactly. It's like when, at what point are the sacrifices I'm making just not worth it anymore? Like, um, or just honestly, simply put, well, how I do you feel know like, if they're not worth it? Cause I think I just won't, I'm not, I'm not really feeling this anymore. Period. Like <laughs> I love that. I'm, because, yeah, I'm, not, because, I'm not feeling this shit anymore. Because, because I think at that point, it'll be a combination of, I'm not really like, like you said, it's, I'm not really enjoying this as much as I used to. And I'm really enjoying something else. And I think at some point, I oh, think so you this think is the joy, so you think the joy will kind of be exactly. Replaced, I think it will be replaced. Comes in, it's gonna, it's not more... going to be the same, but it's going to be something else where like I'm burning for, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, and it's you're just thinking about be, it every day, it's, and you're exactly, like... it's going to be consistent. Where I'm thinking about whatever thing, but also just I'm doing. I'm like a machine, just doing the stuff I need to do for football because I've always done it. So it's like you don't even think about it. You have to just prepare yourself right and eat this and all that. But then at some point, it's like. I'm just doing, I'm playing because I like to play and I'm, this is what I've always done, but actually I can't stop thinking about so-and-so or whatever like when else. when the and one I think, obsession kind of like yeah, exactly. up to the other, you know? Exactly. At some point you can't have two things on the ceiling. One of them, as one goes up, the other one's going to start to drop. And I think for me, that's what's going to happen is that I'm just going to be more passionate about something else and eventually say, okay. Maybe it's not stop playing football, but maybe it's go play in a lower level where I can do something else at a very high level, but also still play, say, for fun. Like an overleague, for example, is you can train two times a week, still have a game on the weekend, but it's not that serious. If you miss training once a week because you have other things, then it's no big deal. Whereas you can't do that when training seven times a week in a game on the weekend. You can't really do anything else full clip because it's just too much time commitment and energy to, to, to football. So I think for me, that's what's going to happen at some point. I still think I have a ways to go. I feel like, like we spoke about earlier, like I just keep getting better. I think because of the college system, and I think I always say this about Americans, but us in particular, it's like where I'm 29, Dylan's almost going to be 30, but I still feel like we're three or four years in our European age in football development. And I think that's why we keep getting better and better. Because we're so we were so far behind when we first came here that I wasn't 22 when I first got here. I was really 19 or 18. And it makes sense based on the progression I keep seeing myself make is that if you go by that math, I still have at least another four years to improve myself, to get to if, my best. If only if the other body, teams saw that. If only other teams yeah, of saw course. our, our of course. age is 25, 26. <laughs> exactly. Like just in brackets, European yeah. age. <laughs> like this is how they feel. Um, so for me, that's how I see my career football wise, but I think transitioning, I think it'll be a transition like that where it's not going to be like, Oh no, what do I do now? I think there will be something because I already see glimpses of it here and there with other things I'm doing that I really enjoy and think about it all the time. So it's, I kind of always said this, that there's always going to be something that I've just find interesting. And at some point that's going to be just 
my my interest and passion is a lot more in that than football. And then it's like, all right, maybe this is not for me anymore. I think that's the absolute dream scenario. Yeah, yeah exactly. That that's the dream exactly. scenario. Is it gonna hopefully yeah. it happens that way for yeah. all of us? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I don't I don't know personally if it's gonna happen for me that way, but I I can definitely see how it would happen for you, Sean. And and if I had my way, that's the way I want it. Um, but I the more when I reflect on it myself, I'm more so. Um, I just I've always looked at it like I want to get every ounce out of my ability as a player. So I will take right. it to the to the absolute end. And I know myself, this is what I'll do. And eventually it'll get to a point where either A, my body just hurts too much to train day in, day out, play the games, or B, I'm not quite good enough to contribute to a team that I view as like a, a good enough level for me to continue um, adding to my, I guess, career. Um, and at a certain point, you drop down too low where it's more or less for fun, uh, whereas I'm still at a level that I feel like I'm adding to what I've done in the game. And, and that's just always been my mindset of like get every ounce of it out of me. And uh, who knows when it'll be? I don't know. Uh, but I think I'll get to a point where I'll be like, you're kind of shit now or it really hurts to play every day. And I'm definitely not at that point now, uh, but I would imagine it'll happen eventually. And I hope that I can transition as nice as Sean is saying. And have a Miami motion pictures or whatever, whatever, Miami motion pictures. I love that. Or, or Mia, passion. Mia, Mia. But yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever, yeah. Sean had to correct you just in case anyone's listening to this. No, if you guys are looking for any video content, I'm, I got you. <laughs> Please do. I, I messed it up. But uh, but yeah, I, I think it's that's what I would love. And there's things that I enjoy outside the game. Don't get me wrong. That I could see as as work, but I don't view any of them as the level of fulfillment that I get out of playing. Uh, and I find it hard to believe that I will ever have anything like this again. So maybe that's part of the reason why I'm kind of like continue to do it after many, many people my age have stopped who are probably better than better players than me and still could play. But um, we talked about it the other day though, is like we, I mean, there's a certain level where like you're really good at just, it's not necessarily about um, getting so much better each each time but also creating that longevity and i feel mm -hmm. like that is also another thing that like we work towards and like yeah. how we've kind of been doing like the, i mean you did it and you kind of incorporated into mine to a lot of this accessory work working on other things that'll help the muscles yeah. to create that yeah. longevity so like that's not necessarily like our bodies break down and that's just us telling us when it's time to play it's, time to, like yeah. it's kind of giving yeah. us more power in the situation but do you yeah. guys do you guys think you'll do a hard retirement in the game or like a soft retirement where, like Sean said, you might go play for an amateur team, um, train twice a week, or go play for an MPSL team if you're in the U.S., things like that? Like, how do you feel like you would always want to just play if you could? Yeah, I mean, I think so. At least some sort of involvement. That's what I, I mean. I think it could change, but I highly doubt it would change. At least, I mean – Worst case scenario, I'm coaching or training individuals or small groups. I just feel like it would be such a mistake for all. But I'm the not talking coaching because coaching is a different transition. In yeah, itself. okay, I'm okay. So then, like we, so playing, yeah, like... I no, I think I would always play because I think at some point too, playing then becomes like, oh, it's a fun way to get some fitness in. Because I don't think I'll ever just like, all right, I'm not going to do anything anymore. I, yeah, I'll always I mean, be I, into I'd that. Kick a ball than run exactly. So anytime. I think. Even if it's some men's league where you're just sitting in the middle of the pitch, it's like this is a fun form of exercise. Yeah. 
at that at that extreme level i think that's why i don't think i'll ever stop playing agreed yeah i think for me it's my ideal scenario would be to keep playing as long as i can and then kind of transition into like maybe i'm living in a place with an indoor team like a professional indoor team and then also playing some outdoor obviously through the summer months like a like a semi-pro type thing um and then eventually transitioning once kind of the body breaks down from that then into like another sport like i love tennis or pickleball or like something like that where it's a little bit less in the body but i think i'm always going to need something where i I'm like trying to aspire to be the best of like, yeah. so I don't yeah. want, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mean tennis is like, I'm going to go out and play casually. No, I want to be on a high level circuit and, and compete. There's and some sort of competition. If, yeah. Even if it's like over 50 or what, whatever, whatever the level or an age bracket is, but I think I'll always need something. So the way ideally I see it playing out is kind of like that, like slowly transitioning out of the game while still um, being able to do whatever I like that job or family requirements or whatever come at and the your time. guess your guess would be tennis I mean that's right just, now. yeah that's what maybe that's what squash I love right or racquetball or something like that yeah tennis probably I love love tennis yeah um, I'm trying like I was trying I to think when you said a, that too yeah, like what would yeah. be for me because I'm the same way like I do feel like there has to be something sporting that I am working towards to get better just because yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. I think I mean that's we're addicted exactly, to that and I love that so I always it's, like yeah. it's like preparing for something definitely be one for yeah. me too yeah I could see squash because I, I do like the racket sports especially with the wall and yeah. maybe like a cycling or something like that because I don't really like running yeah. but I love biking and I love cycling yeah. so yeah. I mean we'll see how the we'll see after Keegs is you know two minute to five minute holds in lunge position if my quads can can take the cycling uh good luck i think so i think so uh but yeah i I think i think i would love golf too but i'm just so bad at it it's a tough thing to start like it's easier for me because i played my whole life you know i already have that base it is a tough thing to start yeah that's why i say tennis because i have a base whereas golf i'm like i'm starting at zero i would need a lot but also everyone plays golf like friends wise so it's like yeah yeah so it's a it's a social sport for everybody it's good for business too because if you're you're on the range True. or you're doing yeah. whatever you're talking to meeting random people but yeah it's it's something that like i wouldn't say i'm excited for but i do think like it's i think i'll get enjoyment out of whatever comes next yeah. Yeah, not yeah, quite yeah. the same not quite the same amount um but It'll be but you'll still have those like the journey and like the process and to get into mm-hmm. a level, which is always fun. Like getting better is one of the, I think it's something again, us three are probably addicted to is like yeah. that feeling of like, Oh, I got better at this. I'm getting better at this. Like, right. let's revisit yeah. that. Let's, how did I do that? I worked. Let's revisit that. Yeah. Yeah. Consistently. For sure. For sure. Um, Sean, give us your third. Where did you enjoy playing football the most and why? And this could be a se- a particular season or a team. So it could be multiple seasons. Oof. Yeah, I have to think about, I don't even have yeah. the answer to this one. So yet, but I, have- I actually, yeah. I read this and I had an answer and now I just thought of a different one. Um, I would say probably my most fun time playing soccer was... probably it's it's a tie between junior and senior year of college i really think and maybe the slice of time in norderstedt um yeah i want to i almost want to remove college from this because it's a different environment it's what i'm saying it it, let's remove college from this 
So Sean, I was going, it's a I different, was going, different I was going, scene. I was going straight to high school and college. So yeah, it's different. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> it's, it's different. It's different. But yeah. also on a yeah. sporting side, like I mean, we were a lot better than a lot of teams. But like when Sean and I were playing left back and left correct wing, that was, was extremely wing, enjoyable that was extremely was. enjoyable because we had possession and we would literally just like it was so fun to play and it like, just suited incredibly yeah, fun. both of our games it, it was fun but i'm gonna remove that from this because professional football is a little bit different what the fuck bro but i like the answer <laughs> uh, I agree. It's, it's it's house rules house rules it's house question. rules it's fine it's your <laughs> question i'll say um it's a tie between when I first signed for Notre State right before the season got cut for COVID because I feel like expectations weren't that high for me. And I love is, that scenario. And then is that I came when you were in, scoring the goals? Like no, so that was that's the second that's the second okay. tie. So the first one is like when I first came into the team and then um I played one game and then I didn't lose a spot. And I think that was a very fun time for me because I was like kind of playing with house money. You know what I mean? Whereas like the expectations weren't that low. They brought me in as a backup. And then I came in and I started playing really well and enjoying it. And like in that three months, I got so much better from day from this training and from the games that it felt like this is incredible. But that to say, to go with what you said, Keith, that's probably at a tie for when I was just in really, really good form at Notre State a year later. I think it was a year later um, in the first half of the season. And I just felt like I'm in a position right now where I can really showcase everything that i can showcase when all things come to an end and i got injured and um i didn't quite get back to that form afterwards but i would say it was a tie between those two yeah hmm. yeah i, I still remember some of those goals yeah well, you got injured scoring one of the goals too i remember seeing the video of that one it's like outside the box right oh i didn't get injured on that one but you got injured the game you scored a banger no, I got injured on a game where I, I scored, but I didn't score a banger. It was kind of a bobbling okay. shot, but oh, okay. yeah, okay. I caught okay. a stud. I caught a stud into my quad, yeah, basically, okay. and it was on a completely flexed position, my quad, and it just mm-hmm. tore a bundle of muscle fibers, like pretty bad. Yeah, I still feel no. it from time to time, but um, we'll get those holds in. You'll you won't feel it anymore. No exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's more like it's more like I wanted Hold to say. Proof it. I wanted to say fest, Sean. Like I'll get fest, but I couldn't think of the word. This gets tight. Yeah. Just gets yeah. like a tight, yeah, locked okay. up. Yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah, have yeah. to like, I have to like roll it out. Is really what this, it guy, is. this guy's not even American anymore. He doesn't even know. Oh, he's so German. <laughs> this, it happens though, man. Like this is just words that are perfectly you learn and perfectly describe it, and they don't do the same. Like they don't really have a yeah. word for sore in Germany. Yeah. Like in German, it's kind of different. Yeah. And I think sore is a great word. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, for me. I think I, I, I'll maybe I'll break the tie as I talk through it, but the two definitely that stick out in my mind would be my time in Galway and my time in Greenville. So in Galway, obviously that was where I scored the most goals by far in my career. We also got promoted the first year we were in a cup final. And it was also like my first experience in professional football because mm. I played in Germany, Germany before that. But at that point, I didn't feel like I that, the, the made it conversation. I didn't feel like that was it. I felt like that was much better than the level. Um, so then that Galway, those two years, the first year was in the second tier. So like, I felt like I made it, but it was still like there was a level to go. And then the second year scored almost the same amount of goals in a really, really good level. Um, maybe the best besides the NASL that I've played in. And I think going from first year, to second year, people were like, all right, he's, he did well the first year, but 
this is a much different level now for not just for me, but for our whole squad. And we, we stayed up, we made a cup final, we did really well. Um, so that's definitely a great memory. Uh, sometimes I like look back and wonder if I stayed another year, would it have tainted it or would it have only built on it more? Uh, Cause I, mm-hmm. they gave me a really good offer to stay and I had decided to go to Edmonton uh, in the NASL. And then second would be Greenville 2019, 2020 uh, where the first year, I was one of the best best strikers in probably in the league and in, in league one. And then I broke my foot right before the playoffs. That, that was like obviously a downtime, but the time before that was awesome. We were doing well. I was doing well. And then the next year um, I was back healthy playing and then we won the the league. So those kind of those two periods, if I probably were really being honest with myself, I would probably pick the, the Galway time just because it was so new and, and it, it really just went so well. Like I couldn't like, from a personal perspective, it really couldn't have gone better outside of maybe winning the cup. Like I couldn't like script it any better. Uh, whereas Greenville had its ups and downs with the injury with, uh, with things like that, but, but probably go away. Shouts out to Dave Harris. Dave Harris. Yeah. Dave Harris. Yes. He, he got me there. <laughs> he, uh, Dave Harris knew Liam Buckley, who was the coach at Pats. And then Liam put me on to the Galway. Dave has like made That's my incredible. career. Um, yeah, he's the probably gonna be. He's the only one still listening to the podcast. He's the only one at this point. These extended versions right now. Yeah. Shout out to Dave. Sean, for me, for me, I would. There's two things, but I mean, it's kind of a weird answer. The first one, I think, like you guys said, when you're playing well and winning games, it's like that it's is an easy way of saying that's great. So, like in Lubeck, when we were winning everything, and like just training was fun and the level was super high and basically the coach needed to be there. We would just train well, competitive. And then on the weekend we knew we were going to win and you just have this energy that, Oh, we're going to win. And then you're playing, of course, you're part of it. You're not sitting in the bench. Um, but I think honestly, this last six weeks with this team was also enjoyable one. Okay. Because I'm playing as like an eight, 10. So it's like, you have more freedom or at least I feel like I have so much freedom one, but it's like also fulfilling because I'm taking, or I'm, I told them I'm going to change the team because I don't see why you guys are in last place, only have six points. It doesn't make sense with the level I'm seeing for my understanding of German football and the Oberliga and all this. And two, I see that it's lacking leadership and there's many young players. Um, and I think those young players, if you speak to them correctly, and because I've played, I'm older and I played at a higher level, they also will listen if I approach them correctly. And when you see that, everything I thought would happen happened. It's fulfilling. And like you have, I mean, I make a joke one day we were, we were driving to training and I'm showing them music. Mind you, they're young. Right. But I just, I think 18, 19. Okay. And then I show them and they're like, no, they don't know when this is, they don't know what the song is. Never heard of it. And then I look up this song. I was like, this song came out in 2003. They're like, yeah, I was born in 2005. I was like, Oh my God, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) It was the first feeling I had like, man, I'm not young anymore. Like, that's crazy. But anyway, yeah, just to see, it's like, I know because I'm older now and I've seen it before, you know, kind of how to approach someone and you want them to do something, but you can't tell them to do it. You kind of have to let them figure it out, but kind of guide them to it. And then when you see like, okay, I got them now, they're starting to listen and understand why I'm saying it. And then only in the turn of six weeks, it's team, the individuals turn around and start playing great. And doing what they can and the team itself turns around it was very fulfilling in terms of okay i had a part of this as a player but also 
there's more than just what I did on the field and the few goals I scored. It's like the team has completely changed. And sure, maybe it wasn't just me, but I think I did have a big part because there was obviously nothing else changed other than that. And basically, if they don't really appreciate what the coach is saying, but you have someone else that new comes in and says, no, listen, the coach is right. Like if you guys can't win a tackle, it's not the coach's fault. If you guys let someone just run by you, you're always going to lose. And sometimes when you have a lot of young players too, who think they know it all and have big, have these big egos, then you could just change it with something new. Like you were like keys. You said before is like when a, a new formation, you play a new formation, it might, everything might be the same, but just because something changed, it just changes something. And I think it was a combination of a bunch of things. And I think for me, that was enjoyable in a different way than what I would say with like at Oneonta with Dylan or when we were winning everything at Lubeck. It was a different type of fulfillment because it was like, one, I enjoyed playing because it was, I literally had nothing to lose. It didn't really matter. And I could just play for fun. And I was playing in an offensive position, which is fun to do again since I was like 12 years old. <laughs> and then and then also see the team game by game keep changing and like developing over the course of a month was pretty cool to see yeah, yeah. i can imagine that, that like, sounds like the, yeah sorry go on Del. i was just gonna say feeling like a catalyst like i can i can yeah. understand why yeah, that's totally. so fulfilling yeah. yeah sounds like the difference to me be almost between owning a business versus being an employee whereas at this new club you you felt like an owner and it was like your exactly baby, and your, your exactly. baby and rather than at the other clubs you're just you're just a number you exactly. may be important exactly but but yeah, that's, and the the owner and yeah. the coach also saw me as that, and yeah. kind of gave me the leash, like go ahead, like you can speak to the players. Or if the coach is not getting, he's not connecting with his player, I would just do it yeah. myself, and yeah. then tell the coach, no, 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 do this and this. Like, just how watch. did you get? How did you get that respect that quickly from the um, coach and the owner? So, so the the coach, the head coach, he knew me. He was like. Um, He's some sort of director at Lubeck, but he left because they didn't like the way they were doing things there, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so he knew me from there. And then uh, the owner also kind of knew of me. Um, so when I went there, they already knew what I could do. And of course, it helps when you go to training the first day and you're like way above everyone else's level. So that helps because mm -hmm. then you earn the player's respect right away. And then they mm -hmm. see it. And then when you just have a few good performances, of course, when you score and win a game, when they haven't won a game in months, that also changes yeah. things. But it was like yeah. those gradual things. And then they realize like, okay, what he's saying is working or is right. Yeah. Or like, yeah. it's not working the first half. And he, he said this at halftime, let's change this. Let's change the formation or change these players. Just not substitution, but just put them in a different spot. And then it yeah. works. It's also a little bit of luck. It's like, yeah. Yeah. just because you might, you, have no, you might have the right idea, but it doesn't work. But when you have the, an idea and then it works and then you do that a few times, it's like, okay, now everybody's on board. And then once you get a team to win or lose, but like you play really well and it's kind of against a, a very good team, then you get people on your side. I mean, it's like kind of the principles of like any sort of leadership is like, you got to make it feel like it's their idea. Number one, it's not coming from me. It's like, this is our idea. And then it goes down to each individual. And then the coach is simply just there, but the coach then gets more confidence because they're the one making the lineup and they're the one making the changes. It's not that I said, hey, don't play me at center back. Play me as an eight because I feel like our defenders are good enough and we're lacking the midfield. But then just leave it. And then they decide to do it one game and it works and we win. Then it's not me. It was their idea. 
and I just happen to do play well, but then it comes from them. Oh, now, okay. Now I, they have confidence as a coach and then it, it all like kind of works with each other. And that yeah. for me was interesting to see as like, exactly like an owner, not an employee. It's like, okay, if I could run a club, what would I do? And these are things yeah. that I saw or yeah. what would I not do if I was running a club, which like when I came in, you could feel literally stepping in the locker room, you could feel, okay, something is not right here. Like yeah. just the energy is bad. Something is off. And I feel like I could change it. And after we lost the first game I played, we lost 4-1 to a horrible team. And I had a thought like, wow, maybe maybe I can't change this. <laughs> like maybe yeah. I thought I could change this, but it's not yeah. going to happen. Because yeah. if, if they're playing yeah. like this, there's I can't do as much as I thought I could. Yeah. But then that just was a catalyst and the coach kind of went off of them. And that was the beginning of like yeah. take responsibility of yourself. You're your own business as a player. It doesn't matter what the coach does. You, at the end of the day, have yeah. to perform on the field for yourself first. And then when you're on a winning team, it makes you look better. Yeah. And then player by player, they start to realize, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That if I'm 18 and I'm on a winning team, players, my coaches and other teams might look at me more than if I'm on the last place team and losing, they're going to think I'm just a terrible player. Mm-hmm. So it was a combination of a bunch of things, but it was, yeah, fulfilling in a different way than I ever expected. Cool if coach, if, if coaches could find a way to bottle that feeling up and have 25 people feel the way you felt. That's what, that's what happens teams, with winning teams. Teams, teams yeah. would be so much better off. Yep. exactly exactly it's getting that feeling that everyone is part of the puzzle and like yeah. right. yeah. an integral yeah. part of the puzzle and yeah that just feeds off each other those and, that, pl- those and knowing moments, like we've it's... been on teams like that too where it's like right you can feel that and then right. everyone and it's knowing players demanding of each other a lot of it was like in my case it was like player management like i knew there was players i didn't say anything to like just do your thing they're yeah. they're experienced they do the thing and there's young players that I know I have to be a little bit more stern with or just encourage them. Like, I'm going to get you the ball. Just keep doing this and try to make this run and I'll get you the ball. And then they fuck up a few times but you keep giving it to them and then they get it. And now I have that player on board and now his buddy sees that and they're the ones I'm driving back and forth to training with. And then you start to, they start to realize, okay, this is working. So it's like, it's cool to be, it was with young players that were the first time ever playing men's football. So they... Mm we're open enough to realize, okay, I don't know a lot and we're losing. Something has to change. And then they just happen to score a goal. They just happen to score a goal in the game. And now it's like, okay, look, you can use that momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. That's the hope though. And it doesn't always, they yeah. always have the young players that are open. And no, exactly. Exactly. And of course, this. in the beginning, it's a fine line when they have a big ego. You can't just go and say, Hey, do this. No. You have to like, you have to, I mean, it's classic. You just have to befriend them and you're on their side and you're not against them. I just want the best of you and don't be yeah. doing show, this in training. You look like an idiot. You know, it's like show them some cool music, cool American. Yeah, exactly. Music. Yo, this is 50 cent. You don't know who he is. <laughs> you don't know in the club, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. Keeks, give us your yes. third. I have it written down here. I remember now. I remember now. I remember now. So I'm going to change it slightly, but the idea is going to be the same. So for each of you, what is the the one, if you had to pick the first thing you're trying to improve this, I guess, extended off season for you, Dill, off kind of middle of the season for you, Sean, and then my off season, like what's the main thing you're trying to focus on to improve? And then also how do you kind of decide what elements you're going to work on in an off season and, and how do you kind of develop your plan or do you have, or is it just more or less like mm. 
I'm going to work out today, but I don't have like a structured plan or I'm going to go to the field, but I don't really know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to play. Um, I would say this year I'm more working on kind of, so I've, I, I have a routine that I will, well, I want to stick to obviously in this off season, especially being in a different environment, being uh, in New York right now, there is something that I'm trying to do to play three times a week to maybe add one of those other days as more of a technical individual session. And then to incorporate a certain amount of lifting, working out and accessory work. Um, it's kind of similar into the way you're doing it, but I would say mine's not so much mapped out. And that's something I am trying to get better at. Uh, a lot of the times I have the ideas in my head and then that can work well, or sometimes be a little bit of my downfall where I'm not doing things not that it's not consistently, but sometimes it's a little too random in terms of where I think if it was a little bit more structured and may, I may see a little bit more payoff. Um, but what I'm really working on this off season is to kind of get back to playing a little bit more freely. I think uh, towards the end of my last contract, I was a little too concerned about um, making mistakes or not making mistakes or playing a certain way so that I would play. And I think I'm trying to get back to or capitalize, not even get back to, but capitalize on the attributes that make me a great player. Obviously work on my weaknesses, um, but play a little bit more freely and encourage myself to reach that level where I'm, I'm not necessarily concerned with making mistakes. Obviously I always will be, but not letting that hinder me from the player that makes me stand out. Cause I think me playing at my best or the moments where I play at my best, if I can capture that more and more often in terms of um, a full game or a full season, then I really do think I have a lot more levels to climb. And I think that's kind of more, um, it's like a mentality shift that I'm really working on this off season. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Um, for me, so I do have a, pl so for me, like you said, uh, mentioned before, as you get older, Keys, you said this is like, when you take time off, it's harder to get back into shape mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and although the past two weeks i was kind of i was going around europe with my parents but i tried to ne never do that basically is because it's a lot easier to stay in shape than to get out of shape to get back into shape and i've always felt that if you just you can take a little bit of a break but not necessarily a complete a complete break that way you never really get out of shape and then it's just always easier to maintain something and i know the benefit of coming off five or six games that I played, I know that I'm in game shape. So if I can just maintain that and build on it rather than lose it, I know going into what I'm going into is a preseason for uh, yeah, the teams that haven't started yet. I'm, the plan is to to change basically countries and clubs that uh, I need to go into this preseason in the game shape and sharpness that out, I was in. Say it out loud. You never know who's yeah, breaking, yeah, we're, breaking, exactly. We're going. Breaking we're going. We're going to Iceland. We're going to Iceland. We're taking our talents to Iceland. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. So I want to go in there building on what I, I just did. And now with that, okay, I don't think I'm going to go there and play as an eight. But now I also know that I have the ability to do that and can do it well. And I know the strengths in that position and my weaknesses in that position. But also I can take what I did there and prove, basically prove it to myself that I can do certain things on the ball. And go back to as a center back say and you it's not necessarily taking more risk because there's a fine line as a center back to take risk or not 
but I know that I have the ability to do certain things. It's a comfort. And I, yeah, it's a comfort. It's on a the comfort. Ball. It's like I know I'm absolutely comfortable in the midfield when there's two people around me in so a space where you can go in any direction. Yeah. Why am I not comfortable as a center back? Because I know nobody's behind me. And basically everyone's pretty much in front of me. Now I have more confidence to just do whatever because I know I've been in a different position and done really well consistently. Did you just, just admit that me... center back is easier than center mid? Just wondering. Um, yeah, on the ball for sure. There's, there's, no, def- there's no argument. There, no there's definitely, there's definitely, I must say, there's definitely a part when you're, when you're making runs in the box constantly and you're the guy that's scoring the goals. There's definitely a part of me that was like, ah, eh, I'll jog back at 70%. Like they're, they're going to hopefully defend this. So I get that. I get that part now. Um, that's funny. But like, there's that's certain that, things like sure. I knew, I knew I always was, if I was able to go forward, I knew I would always get chances. I've just always done that throughout my career. And then I was in a position where I could do that. And then I always got chances. And then it comes, of course, you got to finish it. But then I know that that's, I've solidified that now at 29 years old, it's still the same thing. And I can do that. So it's like this off season basically is like just continuing to build on the things that I've already done and just make sure I'm continuing to build on fitness. That way I can keep doing the things I already did. And also just the last six weeks just gives you more self-confidence also. Basically to get... To get rid of what happened last season, that's also a big thing. Is it gets it kind of completely wipes that off the map. That like, listen, that really was just a one-off thing. It wasn't just me. And now let's take this and let's go back to a higher level where I know I could play at. So to me, it's exciting because, yeah, I, I never thought that I'd be playing basically, honestly, as a ten, box to box, but like really going forward every time I could, and then seeing that okay, I could do things that. Not that I didn't think I could do, but I haven't done ever, period. Like, particularly just offensive things is like, I just have it in my head, let me try this, and it works. So that's good to see. Of course, it's different in a 5v5 in training versus in an 11v11 in a real game. It's much different trying things out. And now that I've seen that, um, yeah, it's exciting to go into this transfer window and see what I could do. You, Keeks? Um, so the probably the last probably since I turned 30. So the last three years, I feel like my first half to two thirds of the season have been pretty much at the exact same level they've always been. Um, but like maybe the last third of the season, I feel like my levels have dropped a little bit and they've, and all three times it's been because of like a nagging, like overuse type. I don't want to call it an injury cause I didn't miss time. It's Stress more like, kind of thing. yeah, like just overuse and you're, you're feeling your body. You're still trying to yeah. play on it. Probably similar to how Sean was feeling um, at his previous club. And so, and two of the three were kind of groin abdominal type nagging things. Um, so this off season, my focus is to, to improve that um, basically my groins, my hamstrings, my hips. Um, and that's really what I'm focusing on in the gym and obviously on the field and stuff like that, we're working on things, but I feel like in that sense, I'm more just, I'm doing it to go out and play. And uh, I mean, there's, and I'm not really don't have a huge plan with it. It's more just if I can get this strong and improve it, not just like maintain it, improve it to where I was at the start of last season, then maintain it throughout the year and and stay healthy. I feel like I can have a better year than I've had the last three, four years. Um, and, and for me, like my enjoyment level in the game is so tied to how I feel physically. And for me, I don't feel like my pace or acceleration has like dropped off that much it's harder to like do it consistently in training but like on the day of the game i don't feel like it's dropped off 
uh, but I feel like things like quick shots and whipping the ball in the bottom corner, that's really what's fallen off. And I attribute that to just strength in the hips. Um, so even at the towards the beginning of the year, I don't think it's been as good. I just think I've been able to kind of get away with it. Whereas mm. towards the end where it's really the miles have caught up with me. Uh, that's where, so like, really that's it. Like focusing just Love on that. the middle part, middle part of my body. Comes back to knowing yourself and being honest, yeah. having an honest conversation yeah. about with yourself about, okay, maybe I, my form dips a little bit at the end. Okay. Why? Okay. Yeah. Why? And then breaking yeah. it down until it becomes, okay, now what can I do? That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. It's a great sign. And with that being said, the last, all the last years, I tried to improve it as well. So it's not mm-hmm. like I've, I'm just like, oh, now three years have gone. It's like, no, every year I kind of realized it and I didn't come up with a solution to fix it. So hopefully this is the year that I've. Hopefully this is the solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully yeah. this is the, the solution. Year. Fingers crossed, yeah, man. We, Fingers we'll crossed. find out. I'll yeah. text you in August. I'm like, oh, well, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go again. Hips to the dipping. Love that. But yeah. Let's what go. Was your last, uh, one, Bill? last one here. Um, I guess when or is it ever too late to start a career as a footballer? And I guess like, we'll, we'll so bring this into like yeah. maybe U.S. guys kind of coming yeah. from college. Like, is there a time that it's like too late to maybe try overseas or like something like that? You know what I mean? Like, what have they been doing in the like? Have they always been playing, or are they literally just going to start picking up a ball, make a YouTube channel, and be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn pro." Yeah, I mean that's that I would <laughs> let's say not that. Um yeah, I mean let's say like a kind of a typical US structure in terms of they're playing as much as they can, but these are so they played college, leagues. played yeah, mm-hmm. played USL. This is after two college, maybe they're playing yeah. USL or MPSL uh, okay. or MPSL. Okay. Okay. And they're maybe doing some other things, but is it ever too late to kind of start that mm-hmm. career or reignite that career, especially overseas? Because I think mm-hmm. if you're playing in if you're playing in the MPSL for like four years in the U.S., it's going to be kind of close to impossible to get a professional contract in the U.S. Like very very difficult. Yeah, I guess it depends on what team and your connection. But, sure. but yeah, then but... again, then again, like this season, we had probably four pros, four first time pros, rookies who were 26. Oh, cool. And and it's. I mean, maybe it's cool, but it's it's because well, of cool the for co- them. I mean, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. For, it's cool for them. I mean, but the reason these things happen is because of the connection they have with the coach, and the coach has played in like or has coached in USL two. Gotcha. So I I think that's really the avenue if you're going to be 26, 27 to have to make it to to have it's yes yeah, connections. It's very difficult to be like, right. hey, can I get an invite to preseason? Unless you're maybe the Golden Boot winner or something, True. something dramatic. But uh, but maybe I would to say, just go overseas. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's it's never too late. Uh, it's just what you want in life. Like I think you could go over at 30 and start just as we started in a lower division and try to climb. Uh, but it, is it just something that you want? And I think that's that's a different answer for everybody. But for, but from a playing point of view, from from an ability point of view, I really don't think it's ever too late. I think people get pigeonholed into an age, and I think, I mean, it's cliche, but age is just a number, and everybody ages differently. Everybody develops differently, like Sean was saying with his uh, minus four European years age. And, and European age. So yeah, I, I think at it's at least minus four. Yeah, to to tell someone you can't do something is ridiculous, and I think you actually have an advantage if you're just playing in these shortened leagues in terms of your, how your body is feeling, how That's your body true. ages, 
Um, now, true. are you are you good enough? Maybe not. But if you are good enough, I think you can do it probably longer if you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think it comes down to what we mentioned before about sacrifices. Like, if you're willing to make the sacrifices, then it's never, it's never too late. You could do it as old as you want. There's leagues out there that you can play in. If it's professional, I don't know. It depends on your level, of course, and how much. What do you consider professional? But I think it just comes down to what are you willing to sacrifice? And yeah, exactly. What do you want in life? But I think the age for certain leagues and stuff, it's gonna, it's gonna be difficult. But it depends. It depends how good you are, basically, and what league you're trying to go for. Um, I think there will be more obstacles. So in terms yeah, there's of, obstacles. I think exactly. Directors and coaches will stop looking at you at certain ages, or not really give you shots, especially if you're coming from, like, we're kind of using this idea of start. So if you're kind of coming from nothing into it, it's going to be quite tough to get something great. But also, if you kind of go with that mindset again, like. Well, I might just go fucking spend six months in Europe, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens. You can find a team if you're good enough. There's no doubt. You can find a team yeah. at so many different levels. And then you yeah. can see like, all right, well, maybe I can climb up to this level and have a job on the side. And that's a version of being, you know, the, the best version maybe you can get to at that time. So, yeah, I agree with both of you. Um, but it definitely d does get difficult the more you put it off. Yeah. yeah. So go on, go on your summer yeah. camp. Yeah. And don't yeah. underestimate how much these Europeans at these lower levels love having an American and need players sometimes. Yeah. And, need players. and need players. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you just might have to find a way to uh, kind of function monetarily elsewhere. And if you can yeah. do that, then you will have zero problem finding a team. You might just have yeah. a problem finding a team that's going to help you live. If that's not a problem, then yeah. there's no there's no issues. Yeah. You can yeah, exactly. If you have the, if you have the money or you have some sort of remote job, then no I mean, issue. Plenty of opportunities out there, out of the yeah, U.S. I mean, at just least we know. Just then you get into yeah. visas, but that's another story for a different time. Yeah, but those are also easy. Yeah. You can yeah. also get those. You just have to put yeah. the research in, or wow, pay Keeks. Was... He'll do it for you. <laughs> Keeks will do it for you. Yeah, pay, pay me good. I'll get you a visa. Pay, pay me while I'll get you a visa. I'll find a way. Uh, yeah, Germany, Germany student visa. I got the I got the lowdown. It's got the there lowdown. you go. Um yeah, boys, that was uh we broke the record. That was magical. That might have been the longest episode. I'm not really sure. We'll Definitely see. was. Definitely was. Um, you think three questions isn't gonna be that much, but this is what happens, is like they branch. Yeah. Yeah. But that's good. That's I mean that's good. Anything, yeah. anything, hey, anything to add? Can, I had a great hey, time. I don't know. Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, it's a great conversation. We could, we would just have this regularly. I mean, not even. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah. I feel yeah, like, yeah. I feel like this is all. This is just another avenue of the podcast, which we should bring in. Just more. Yeah. Like I love the interviewing of guests. I just I mean, think more kicking it. In addition, we should yeah. just kick yeah. it and just talk yeah. about shit because. Yeah. Sometimes when you're telling a story, you don't. You're not able to get into as many topics. I guess. Yeah. Or just see where they fan out to because yeah. you're trying to cover a story. And yeah. The story is beautiful. It's someone's path. That's yeah. Incredible. And they want to share it all. And they want to share it all. But I think yeah. this could be a good avenue for us to uh, talk. Yeah. Share. You can, yeah. You, you can check share. the numbers. Check the viewership numbers. See if it worked. Fuck the fuck the viewership <laughs> numbers, man. 
I want to see the viewership numbers in terms of uh, duration of the listen. Who makes it past 30 minutes? (laughs) You're getting the hoodie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. If you made it this this far. Give them a discount code for the hoodie. Yeah, I was going to say, if you made it this far, if you made it this far, text us. Um, and, and we'll give you like a uh, one dollar discount, and um, <laughs> we'll Venmo you ninety nine cents once you purchase the hoodie. Literally DM us that Sean only scores bangers, and yeah. then and yeah. then we'll give you a sticker or something. We'll try to. Yeah, we'll try. We'll at least try to. <laughs> we can promise. Uh, I swear, I'll put my best effort in. We'll be good enough. We'll see, but I'll put my best effort in. <laughs> Remember at checkout. That's uh, not that's even a coach. footwork sticker. It's just a sticker. Remember at checkout. Sean only Remember scored at bangers. Only scores bangers. <laughs> all one all, word. Uh, all uppercase. Sean only scores bangers. Uh, Remember yeah. that. Anything else, boys, another... to add? No. I don't know. No. It was, it was a it was a pleasure. I'll see you tomorrow. It was Dylan. fun. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, Keegs. Um, yeah, bring your. Ca- bring your I was with you guys training. I'll bring. Yeah, bring the, I'll bring. Bring the camera. Bring, the camera. bring your phone. <laughs> I need to see um, this. The world needs to hit, see this. Let's hit some one v ones for days. Oh no, not again. <laughs> uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about what we want to hit tomorrow. Sean, what should we hit? What should we? What should we cover? I mean, one v ones sound great. I'm out here training alone. It's uh, so boring. Uh, training <laughs> so alone boring. is tough, man. It Once is a week, tough, I like training alone. To it. be honest, but very you just have to deal with it. Yeah, change your flight. Get like three days in. Stay with Dill before it the would party. be nice, but there's other things, there's other reasons that I'm coming back. So, uh, okay. yeah, okay, yeah, we, we gotta also spend time with your fam. Oh, yeah, I, I don't care about, about you guys things. that much. Dude, there's got to be some <laughs> groups though in South Carolina. Of people at least playing. there is, there, I was thinking, kids. honestly, just hit up like a USL no, team I, or something. I was thinking of going, there's a field that I played with a bunch of college kids once. The question is, you don't really know them. Are they going to do something stupid if you're playing? I mean, you could train non-contact. That was my thought. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, is it worth the risk? Yeah. I played pickup. The think, reason it's being is I played pickup once here and I got hurt because of it. Yeah, but yeah, I would love to, different. but I haven't I haven't played yeah. basically since that time. And it's worked yeah. out. You have basically. to play contact. You have to train contact, though, especially leading up into like trials. I would love to, but I just haven't done that and it's worked. So, I mean, Yeah. I would love to, but it's finding the players. Yeah. If you are in the South Carolina area, South Carolina, <laughs> just text us that Sean only scare, scores bangers, and um, Sean will give you a free training session. Just don't tackle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One day later, you get two footed. <laughs> Marcus Rojo. I might Marcus Rojo keeks tomorrow. Oh, jeez. It's good for the groin. Yeah. Yeah. Groin. We're uh, testing it. We're <laughs> testing it. And if you're in the Hudson Valley Poughkeepsie area and you want to train with Keegs and I this offseason, hit us up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll see if we can help make it happen. Yeah. And if you want to play with the Hammers in the Open Cup, they're looking for players as well. Hudson Valley wow. Hammers. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Can't be a college kid, right? Can't be a college kid. Well, yeah. You just. It's during the college year, calendar year. So you. When fun. is the when is the game? It's the March nineteenth to twenty first weekend. So, so any, Greater New York area. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in the Greater New York area, want to play in the 
the magical Opa Cup, which now has no MLS teams. Fuck. It's <laughs> lost the magic a bit. Uh, yeah, but, but you yeah, have a better chance. But you can play one Knoxville. Yeah. You can you can play one Knoxville, yeah. Yeah, that would be an experience in itself. Yeah. For multiple reasons. Get from this. And if you want to play for the Hudson Valley Hammers, just text Keegs only scores bangers. Yes. Yeah, you can, you can, we'll connect you. You can DM me on Instagram. <laughs> or find Jet Club. Yeah, Jet Club. Yeah, Jet Club's gotta take off. That's my New Year's resolution for Keegs. Yeah. Yeah, I need a camera guy or a woman. Send a message to Jet Club, weak hips and groins. If and, you want to uh, be Keegs' we'll camera connected. guy or a girl, just reach out and um, let him know. And if he does, he does give college credit. So um, <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how he has that power. But he has connections. Uh, he knows I don't know how guys. he has that connections. But just uh, trust us. That promo code pretty much gets you anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Boys, uh, pleasure. Yeah. Let's do this again yeah. soon. Um, yeah. Actually, though. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Buy a layover hoodie if you don't have one already. Buy a layover yeah. hoodie if you don't have one. Yeah. And remember yeah. our discount yeah. codes and uh, <laughs> Keegs, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. I'll Sean, see you, boss. I'll see you when I see you. Yes. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what's done. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 